connecting to the real nerds is so easy. You can go to our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can like us on Facebook. We have a Twitter account, at Real Nerds. We also have Instagram. You can call us, 720-6Nerds5. You want to email us? You can do that, too, realnerds at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Who are you? You have a, a wife, girlfriend? Whoever she is, I'm going to find her. And then I'm going to kill you right in front of her. How much do you know about Davy Jones? Your file shares no kids. But to become a double O, it takes two. What I'm saying is this. When you're facing a loaded gun, what's the difference? People should not be afraid of their governments. Government should be afraid of their people. Come on, let me hear you say it this one. You're insane. No! <laughs> no, I want the other thing. Superman will What's so important about this race of years? I've been dreaming about it my whole life. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, I want to thank you for my family. My two beautiful sons, Walker and Texas Ranger. Be the first motherfucker to see a new galaxy and find a new alien life form. And fuck it. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you gotta be willing to take the hits. And not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast at Denver Comic Con 2017 and beyond. I am Ryan. With me is the usual gang of idiots. Well, I'm not responding to that. James. Uh, Zach gets that mad joke, right? Yeah, I do. Zach. <laughs> Zach, you're really far away from the mic. Are we picking oh, you up? Oh, Zach. Whoa. Ah! Ah! Okay, now we're good. Zach. Hey, All right. hey, Brad's here, too. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, fuck Brad. <laughs> fuck you. How's it going, Brad? Um, I'm... You remember, like, two weeks ago, you were like, No one likes Thunderbolt 2. Fuck! Fuck! 48 hour, now he's in the best of. I'm not, I'm not going to take it for granted. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're in, the, we're in the best of. Yeah, so he's in the best of after he's like, It's not guaranteed. Fuck all these people who don't like my vision of... I didn't say that. I was uh, just, you I, didn't uh, say that? Not... Not in front None of those other people. Yes. I, I mean, off the mic. I, oh, okay. I was like on your street outside just cursing up a storm. You're like, fuck those people. I don't I'll know who those people again. are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Those people? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. We're, uh, they haven't announced the full 15 yet, but uh, ours is in there. Congrats. So you're on the short list of the, 50, of, of the, of yeah, the best Yeah, they have three more to announce. I think... I think he's. I think he's fourteen out of fifteen. Great job, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> so the 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 list right now is mostly like the uh, the audience award winners and then all the runner ups for that award, and then there's like three that uh, which is one of us that. So what's the most in, prestigious so. award? The best film. Yeah. Of the so year. so who cares what the audience thinks? Okay. Because so, it's because it's just like the Oscars. Who cares? Like everybody loves a certain movie. Did everybody love Spotlight? Fuck no. That's why it won. You want you want the critics to like you. <laughs> so speaking of fifteen, when are, when when is this thing happening? When can people go see it? Uh, September fifteenth at the Esquire <gasps> Theater. It's six thirty, and uh, tickets. You can go to the uh, Esquire, well, LandmarkTheaters.com. Find the Esquire Theater. Find September fifteenth, and uh, make your purchase. That's a lot of things to find. Or is you there, can just is show there up. like a link somewhere I can just click on? 
Yes. There is, but it's it's long and has a bunch of digits, random like digits in it. Like my so. <laughs> How much is it again to get in, Brad? It's $12. $12 to watch you watch an award? Fuck that shit. <laughs> you, get, See, you get 15 so movies, dude. Zach is officially a real nerd. If you, don't, if you don't get an award, I want my money back. <laughs> that's fair. I, I can't guarantee totally that. Fair. <laughs> yeah. But it's early enough that uh, you can go to the... Because it's at 6.30, you, you can do that. And then um, instead of going to the after party, you can go to the Emerging Filmmakers Project uh, at the Bug Theater. Just... A couple blocks, highways away. Could I instead just go see a movie at the Esquire afterwards? I don't know. Um, you you could one? do that if you're an asshole. But you should support <laughs> Sounds like films. right up my alley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Ryan will be there. Yep. He's going to show up at 8 o'clock for, like, I don't know, uh, uh, The Light Between Oceans. <laughs> totally. Dude. <laughs> we're, you know, I, I would totally show up for The Light Between Oceans if I knew Alicia Vikander was naked in it. I don't, it. Know, I don't think she has. I think it's PG-13, but still. Seeing it. Yep. Uh yeah, cool. Well, good job, Brad. Yeah, and hey, Ryan. Yeah, congrats on keeping your kid alive for another year. Well, you know that's yeah. how I roll. <laughs> He's all of two years now. Um, and Zach got back from the Palm Springs Comic Con. He was on a panel there. That's right. right. Uh, you can listen to the uh, panel itself on Radio Brendo Man. Um, and he was on for it with another podcast. You fucking traitor. Ah, but I was pimping. The he, local he, podcast. He did. That's what you say, but how could I even know? How could I hear that? You can go. You can go to radiobrendoman.com. I'll listen to no other podcast, man. <laughs> <laughs> Episode two sixty. So, were you invited out there? Uh, yeah, because uh, did you just show up? <laughs> showed up. Well, I mean, I don't know if you're like. Uh, yeah. I just went, guys. Guys, guess what? I'm here. I've got a movie. I'm Let's here, just show it. <laughs> I meant, are they like, were you they friends of yours and you just knew them from previous and that's why you got on? Um, I knew these guys back from the old VSQ board um, mm-hmm. from back in 2007, I want to say. And um, they had a, a written a script that they wanted me to direct, so I directed it. It's called The After Show. It's a horror comedy fi- hybrid kind of thing um, that will be um, finished hopefully by Halloween. But yeah, so it was fun. <laughs> yeah, all right. I got to be on a panel. It was cool. pretty cool. And I saw Stan Lee riding his motor scooter. Nice. Um, was the... he saying Excelsior while he's doing it? Because that would have been no. But he's, so he's. I'm at the smoking pit. I turn and I look, and there he is, and he's coming right in my direction. And that's first I thought, like, is he bum rushing me for a cigarette? Is Stan Lee gonna bum rush me for nicotine? <laughs> that would have been awesome. Is that his last? Give me that cigarette, Spider Friend. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's his last. He, I think he swore, one he of, swore of Canadians, cons. but I don't think he's. Said I think he's his last yet. one is in Canada. So that's just what I've heard. Yeah. Well, I mean, he is uh, going blind and is ninety-four years old. So yeah, that man should maybe be able to enjoy the rest of his life. Instead. <laughs> Instead of going Excelsior, Excelsior, no. I don't know. fucking punks. <laughs> I, I don't know, you know, if someone paid me a hundred bucks to sign my name, I'd do it until I was ninety four. Okay, okay, until you were ninety four. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. So <laughs> every week Suck it, Brad, suck it, Brad. I should have him write that. Oh, I, that that's what I should have got him to sign. That would have been, so <laughs> been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I've been like, yeah, suck it. Suck me. <laughs> Oh. I will suck it, Mr. Stanley. <laughs> oh, this is terrible. I'll suck it so good. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry, Carol. Every <laughs> week on the Real Nerds, uh, <laughs> on Real Nerds podcast, we go see a new movie. Except this week, we are unveiling our favorite films from 2006. We're traveling all the way back in time to only a few years before we started this podcast. <laughs> Four years, to be exact. Yeah. 
Um, 2006, let's recap, guys. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest was the number one film of the year in terms of box office numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What were you guys doing in 2006? Where were you in your lives? I was working at Blockbuster uh, during this, that summer. I graduated from high school. Worked at Blockbuster for the summer and then went to college, like started my first year at college. So I met this lady that year who then married this dumb piece of shit. And then we, <laughs> now we do this podcast. Um, so, yeah, all of this came out of 2006, sort of. Speak, uh, speaking of this dumb piece of shit, I was just waiting until my wife was 21 before I could start dating her. So. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck does that even mean? Uh, she oh. was not 21 yet in 2006. True. So neither was I. That's the point. I haven't met. I didn't meet her yet, so I didn't oh, know she was old enough. You were avoided. Yeah, no. weren't you dating some terrible woman? And Fuck like, yeah, I getting was. Married? That's why okay. I don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think I was done with her by now. Oh, I don't okay. remember. Or by two thousand six. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's pretty close. I was hanging out at the Outback with you, in, like in two thousand seven. So. Yeah, but I wasn't with her when I was the last year I was at the Outback. Really? Yeah. Okay. I know for a fact. Yeah, because I base my stuff around movies, <laughs> and I don't remember seeing Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest with her. Were you Actually, seeing every to... movie with her? Not yeah. every movie, but I would remember like movies like that. Yeah. I'm sure I remember the last movie I saw. There. Oh, no, she's stupid, so I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> she's a big fan of the show, though, so we don't want to say Whatever. too many terrible things. Fuck uh, her. <laughs> She's remarried and happy and somewhere else. I don't know. Oh, good. You know, I shouldn't be too mean to her. When I was filling out my applications for the job I'm currently doing, they ask for, like, your last 10 years of relationships. Really? she's literally on the, like, the edge. So I put her down and she said, like, really nice things about me. Aww. (laughs) No, fuck her, James. (laughs) (laughs) Brad knows. I can't help it. Uh, Anyways, Yeah. yeah, that's what I was doing. Brad, what were you doing in 2006? Um, I think I was going back to college for a third time, and I was just living like a hermit down on, down Lakewood there. Down by the river. That, no. that, yeah. That, Zach, you were two. Zach, were you born yet? Yeah. <laughs> I was a uh, freshman, then going into sophomore in high school, and uh, I was also going to church camps, oddly enough. <laughs> All right. kind of weird. All right. Yeah. So, but, uh, uh, you know, life changes so much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Here I am. I met my wife two years later. Um, 2006 for me was also like one of the formative years in my in like me as a as a movie goer uh, because I, I was working at the blockbuster. I was 18, had a car, and my friends and I were didn't give a shit about school anymore. So like we went to go see a lot of movies at the Esquire, and we were like trying to branch out and see. Um, even though Brick was on my 2005 list because that's when it officially released. I believe we saw that and a bunch of other... I mean, there's a, a lot of movies that are on my honorable mentions list that we just saw at the Esquire on a whim because we were like, well, let's go see something weird. Um, and it was fun. Like, that was a time where I was, like, actually, like, experiencing independent film for the first time in my life, um, which was neat. And I worked at the Blockbuster, so I was, like, I was watching five movies a week. Yeah, uh, it's, you know, I always had that... I always did that. I used to see yeah. movies all the time with... Whether it was with brad or brandon um we'd always go to blockbuster and get shit tons of movies me and brandon and you know i as i was going through the list of what came out in 2006 i said oh man there's a lot of movies i liked this year yeah yeah Um, yeah, it was a good one and so i I think people might be surprised at my list um Uh, friday the 13th was there one of those there was not one it was a texas chainsaw (laughs) massacre all right well we'll see if it Uh, shows up does it show up maybe um but 
No, it, it was a really interesting year as I was going back and looking at what came out. I mean, there's three Robert Downey Jr. movies. None of them made my list, but um, not that they're uh, not good films. It's just I like other movies more. It was, um, a, it was a time where he was still like yeah, coming back. Yeah, and he was still kind of minor in most of the movies. Right. Um, so the movie doesn't actually hinge on whether or not he is good. I mean, if I had to pick a favorite from that time, it'd probably be A Scanner Darkly. Yeah. It's a little different. It's um, a cool movie. Because he's actually, I guess he's pretty prominent in The Shaggy Dog. He's kind of the villain oh. in it. Yeah, but it's The Shaggy Dog. Yeah, so the rest of the movie sucks. <laughs> right. Because he's actually pretty funny in it because he plays like a really uh, smart ass, wow, stretch guy. But, um, you know, having to endure Tim Allen go, Arr! you know, is enough for me not to watch a movie. How, uh, how is Tim the guy? Tim Allen is Scooby Doo. <laughs> how is the guy to recognizing your saints? Cause I never saw that. It was on my list of like, well, maybe uh, I could check this out know, before we do this. It's list. pretty good. It's really a Channing Tatum movie. Um, wait, really? Yeah. Oh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Plays a guy who goes back to his neighborhood after he's grown up and he kind of is the narrator, but he's not in it too much. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a bad movie. Um, cool. Just when he's not featured very much in it. Right. And it has, uh, a really, uh, it's all right. It's 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 all right. Game cool. six with him and Michael Keaton is actually pretty good. Yeah, uh, he was in a lot of movies that he year. He was. Wow. He all slowly right. came back, and I think he did Gothica the year before or after. Whenever he did Gothica is when he met his wife, and he really started uh, coming back, cleaning his shit up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's cool. So yeah, so it's a very interesting list. You know, uh, Jason Statham had a movie come out that is not on my list either. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, enough of what didn't make it. Let's uh, let's play some very inspiring or music to get us going. Um, I don't know what are it's going to be. Are we going to? Did we get any like submissions from people? We I got, got one. We, got we a, did, but we we usually do those at the end. You say for the end? Yeah. yeah. So we don't. That way, those people have to listen to our lists. Haha! <laughs> <laughs> Suck it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Henry. He's going to listen to us anyways. Right. Well, I got I got something from Mike Henderson. So. Oh, yeah, cool. yeah. I oh, yeah, that yeah. one too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so we'll play some music from, I don't know, wherever Brad or James... Transition! A sweet 2006 track or something. Right. Yeah. Sometimes I get the feeling she's watching over me And other times I feel like I should go You know, you could play one from the number one album of the year, which I don't know what it is. So you'll, you'll have to figure that out. I'm going to do that for copyright reasons. Uh, it's, uh, you can play song in less than 30 song. seconds. No. It was it's too, probably some, too like... For Cisco's song song. Actually, uh, I think this is the Black Parade from My Chemical Romance. Oh, that's so Fer- one. Fergie-licious. I would play that. Huh? Fergie-licious. <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, so if you're, this is your first film explosion, this is how we do it. We go around the room and we reveal our top ten films from the year. We start at number ten, go up to number one. Yep. We each reveal our th- uh, film, and if it hasn't been revealed before, we will play the trailer for said film to get you in the mood of what we're talking about. Um, so that's a friendly reminder, Zach, that after you say your list, give a little pause before you start talking about it. Yes, sir. Is this Thank your you. first film explosion? No, no, no. No, he's, he said that to him because the last, I don't know. No, <laughs> are we are we shaming you for the last one? No, no. I guess you are. <laughs> no, no. It was just, 
Brad and Zach and I are really good at that at this point. And you're, you know, you're new. Uh, you haven't been as many. Brad and you? Right. Yeah, whatever. Gosh, man. I'm really <laughs> tired. I'll strap in for the next four hours. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so bend over and kiss uh, your butt goodbye. Uh, yeah. Cool. Um, Ryan, who's going first? I don't care. Okay. Zach? Zach? Oh, fair enough. Uh, my number 10 is a film that may or may not have started a trend in horror films. My number 10 is Hostel. Shit, Kick, yeah. kicking it off with a with a real kick in the shit. kick in the nuts. Oh, oh. Uh, I actually enjoyed the film. I, I think don't know if my number ten's any better. <laughs> <laughs> Mine isn't. Uh, I actually enjoyed the film. I think it's a pretty interesting look at xenophobia <laughs> and also how we kind of uh, perceive other countries. Um, it's also a really good suspenseful thriller. Um, first forty minutes of the film are kind of like a softcore porno, but. Once it kicks in, it really kicks in, and it doesn't really stop. Um, I like the atmosphere that he sets throughout throughout the film. Um, And this is Eli Roth coming just out of Cabin Fever, Mm -hmm. I think it is. So um, he's still got a lot to prove and whatnot. Um, I can't speak to Hostel Part 2 too much because I I, kind of biasly like that movie as well. And I definitely can't speak for Hostel (laughs) Part 3 because... Um, I uh, didn't watch Direct that piece Netflix. of shit. <laughs> yeah. I literally... I, I didn't watch that piece of shit. I just had a physical reaction because I didn't even know they made a third one. Yeah, they made a third one direct to DVD. And- oh, okay. I, I will say this about Eli Roth is he has a definite style. Yeah. Uh, he, for his films, he has this really uh, big tendency to play it straight for the first hour and a half, hour and 15 minutes, and then the end of them have some weird turn. Uh, whether it's Hostel or Cabin Fever. Or Green Inferno. Or Green or, Inferno. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and Hostel Part 2 definitely has some weird twists and turns. It does. And he, very weird uh, He Definitely, I, what I do like about Eli Roth is I do think he's actually a pretty good filmmaker. Uh, I think he, he knows what he likes and he makes those films. He doesn't apologize for them. He just does it. Yeah. yeah. And I think you should. If, they, if you're successful at what you want to do and you want to tell the story, just do it. Fair. There's no shame being a horror film director. Ask James Wan. Yeah, absolutely. Fair. Um, and I kind of like the sense of humor that it has throughout the film. Um, certain certain areas, certain aspects, certain twists. Um, I don't really want to... I, I, I haven't watched it in a while, but I remember really, really liking it. And not. I don't want to travel to 
any country outside the U.S. because of that movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm to, like, afraid Russia. of being. <laughs> it's not. It's not that what I'm does, afraid. What country that... does it take place in? I don't even remember. I thought it was like it's a Germany like Slovakia or, or something like that, or Eastern European let's, country. Let's call it uh, Latveria, and Doctor Doom's in charge of everything. <laughs> no, it's just like I have a terrible fear of going into a country I know nothing about. Do so you? I would have to learn to um, study up on it. It's it's not like a it's not like a xenophobia thing i literally just don't I, i'm just afraid of like not inter- insulting somebody you know yeah sure. fuck them <laughs> can i tell you what wow. i did in paris <laughs> i haven't speak french and we went to this um really old church i want to say man it's built in like 11 something beautiful church mm-hmm. beautiful in the basement they had a crypt and it had uh some of the the priests buried there and also had some bishops and I crawled into one of the sarcophaguses. I mean, so you can... <laughs> oh, God. It was empty. There was no dead person in it, guys. Relax. But I'm just saying, you know, don't be afraid. Just be an American and be ignorant. Little do they know yeah. it had been recently robbed. <laughs> <laughs> and you just came in right after the, after the heist. Yeah. Anyway, that's my number 10, Hostel. Cool. Which one of you guys have never gone last? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't keep track of these things. I've I have gone, gone last. last. I have also gone first. Okay, Brad, what's your number 10? My number 10 is a movie that uh, gets a lot of flack, but uh, I actually think it's a really good um, update of a classic. It is uh, Superman Returns. You've been gone a long time. Where did you go? Munchkin. Hello. Yeah, well, you've been gone. Fearless reporter Lois Lane is a mommy. But if you ask me, she's still in love with you know who. How could you leave us like that? I moved on. So did the rest of us. The world doesn't need a savior. And neither do I. This is kind of a little reunion, isn't it? Heck, I'm a fan. I'll have advanced technology. Thousands of years beyond what anyone could throw at me. But millions of people will die. Billions! You wrote that the world doesn't need a savior. But every day I hear people crying for one. Come on, let me hear you say it just once. You're insane. No! <laughs> no, I want the other thing. Superman will never... Bring it on! Now fly.
cool. think uh, Singer did a good job of honoring uh, the original Donner movie. Yeah, it's a little boring, and it's a emo Superman uh, <laughs> kind of moping around. But uh, yeah, I still think that his rescue on the plane is like awesome. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, the CGI is a little weak, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's, awesome. yeah. it's an awesome sequence. I mean, I think you're going to hear the CGI is a little weak on a, a number of the movies from this year, yeah. just because it was a it was at a time where like it's a transitional period for CGI. Yeah, like people were trying to drive the budget to dip back down on CGI, and it couldn't quite stand on its legs. So there's a thing. Uh, Zach and I talked about this on the way out here. Like mm. there's a there's a handful of movies where they don't quite stand up when they should. Yeah. So it's hard to knock a movie for that. I don't think it takes away from the sequence of what happens totally, in the yeah. film. Right. And um, if you watch it on your, on your TV at home, you're, you can't really tell as much. Yeah. So I think Brandon Routh is a good Superman too. He does yeah. a great Christopher Reeves like homage, and uh, I, I thought Kevin Spacey was a good Lex Luthor. Like, yeah, um, that's probably my favorite part of the thing. It's just needed more sequences like the plane. Yeah, because like, after that, it's a long stretch of just like it, it's cool that like the story is a continuation of the original. Like they could have easily just rebooted it because th- so yes. much time had passed, but I think people forgot that that's what it is. It's, it's a continuation of a story that's happening. So, you know, you have to let the story breathe and how many people now would kill for a comic book movie that tells that story. Right. You know, it's not just action, action, action. Yeah. It introduces, it introduced an interesting concept of what if Superman and Lois did have a baby and, do you know what the first Blu-ray I ever and what bought if, was? What if it hated pianos? Superman Returns. <laughs> Superman Returns was my first Blu-ray wow. I ever bought. Was my f- Man, did we all, did all of us have like, oh no, my first DVD was a really shitty movie. Uh, my first DVD was, was uh, Star Wars Episode One, um, Really Which shitty? is actually a really amazing DVD. It's okay. But the movie is bad. I, I, would, I wouldn't say it's a shitty movie, I'd say it's an okay movie. Yeah. It's the best of the prequels, that's for sure. Does anyone want to see Superman Returns HD DVD? Because I have that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> was it your first HD DVD? I don't know. I don't think it was. Yeah, okay. That's <laughs> funny. Yeah. Cool. Not sure what it was. But anyway, yeah, I, I, I thought it's, it's pretty fun. It, um, yeah. Uh, interesting story. The production design for Metropolis I, I enjoyed. I like yeah. Frank Langella as uh, Perry White. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I yeah. forgot um, about that. I, I like Luther's plan. Like, that was kind of inspired. Um, again, it's it's he's after a land again, but so he's like a one-note villain. But <laughs> yeah, right. It, it's, yeah. it's always a land. But I will say <laughs> that. The method this time is pretty. After watching the original Superman, it, Kevin Spacey's is definitely better than Gene Hackman's. Hackman plays it as, I'm a bumbling dude who lives underneath <laughs> Metropolis. <laughs> yeah, uh, ha- Hackman is a little over the top. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Kevin Spacey's is really good, yeah. for sure. Cool. Anything else? Nope. Cool. Nope. 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 Ryan? Okay. What's your uh, number 10? My number 10 is kind of like an Eli Roth film. Um, will I say it's a good film? Eh, not really. Um, but to me, it, it hits all the right chords uh, because of what I like, and that's like sleazy horror films. Uh, my number 10 film is Hatchet. Victor was pressed against the other side. And poor 
Victor Crowley died. They say people disappear in those woods. And legend has it, if you get close enough to the old Crowley house at night, you can still hear Victor Crowley roaming in the woods, crying for his dad. Good pick. Yeah, Adam Green is the director of Hatchet, and it's his first feature. Uh, and he kind of the, the, he was inspired to go back to kind of do the Friday the Thirteenth kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He got Kane Hodder, to, who played Jason in Four Fridays, to be the bad guy. Um, and it's about Victor Crawley. It's a basically a Louisiana swamp ghost story, where he was uh, killed and his or he was supposedly killed and his dad was killed in this fire because he was deformed and he isn't or is he? He's a vengeful spirit that lives in the swamps. And there's uh, the makeup effects are really cool in it. There's a part where he like grabs a dude and rips him in half. Hmm. Um, it's really over the top. Um, there's gratuitous nudity. I mean, gratuitous violence. Um, but I, I just like, because it kind of goes back to kind of 80s-style slasher films, which I'm, I'm a sucker for anyways. Um, yeah. I, I, I've always liked that kind of horror films. I don't know why it, when I was growing up. And I, well, I will say this. My parents never, ever like sheltered me. If I wanted to watch something, they'd say, all right, that's what you want to watch. Um, Obviously within limits. I mean, Friday the 13th is only so sleazy, but um, I mean, they won't let me watch like porn or something. But if I went to the video store, I was like, I want to watch Child's Play. My dad's like, all right, if that's what you want to watch. Right. Um, And it helped shape me who I am. I mean, as a movie lover, I mean, because I still love those films. Yeah. And they so, yeah, Hatchet reminds me of that stuff. And it reminds me of a time where it's an unkillable monster. Um, It's really over the top. Yeah, it's just a fun film. I remember it making a huge splash at the time. Uh, because, like I said, I was working at the Blockbuster, and like so many people who were really into horror were really excited about that movie. Um, yeah, I've still never seen it, because I know it's not Oh, you, for me. you would hate it. Right. <laughs> I, I appreciate the warning. Um, but I just remember people beaming about that movie, um, which is cool. It was, uh, I was, that was neat. I even think the tagline is, Old school American horror. Yeah, if I remember correctly. Yeah, no, no, no Japanese ghosts, no sequels, no remakes, something like that. Yeah, cool. So yeah, that's my number ten is um, over the top violent horror film. Awesome. Will there be another one? Wait well, and see. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what. <laughs> there's about to be because my number ten is. Also an over-the-top, stupid horror film. Um, uh, as, as usual, my number 10 is something of a ringer, uh, but this time for somewhat emotional reasons. Uh, my number 10 is Snakes on a Plane.
security scenarios we ran. I'm smack in the middle of one we didn't think of. Can anybody hear me? There's a couple reasons for this. One, <laughs> this was actually kind of like a tentpole that year, just because like the marketing for this movie was so effective that even though this movie is kind of a piece of shit, uh, let me take back the kinda, this movie's a piece of shit, but it's really fun, and like people knew what they were coming into, so that the experience of seeing this with a, like in a theater, where you had people just howling with laughter, um, and like almost to a bad point where like you had people joking in the movie and stuff like that but it was like everybody knew what we were there for was really kind of special and different and um even though that movie doesn't really deliver on on maybe the promise of of samuel jackson fighting snakes on a plane um i i still think it is kind of fun the other reason yes as you alluded to is that this is so the 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 short version of the story is that basically like second week of college your now wife, Laura, comes into my room and we're like talking about movies and she's flipping through all of my DVDs and, you know, commenting on how much she likes the village. And I was like, hey, you're fantastic. And then we decided, she was like, hey, it's like a Tuesday. We should go see Snakes on a Plane. And we did. And we've been friends ever since. So that is part of the reason why I really like this movie. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's dumb as shit. Um, but such a unique thing that you're just, you don't, you aren't going to get probably ever again. Um, because you know, to take to take a uh, a cool actor and drop a whole bunch of money into a really, really, really shitty. Remember horror when he movie. flies the plane at the end? Yeah. No. No. Uh, Key. Um, oh, Key. Keenan. Uh, Keenan Thompson. Yeah. Uh, That's right. And he Samuel comes, Jackson just he, says things because he plays a lot of of Microsoft's flight simulator. He knows how to land the plane. Uh, oh, and I think he plays it on his Vita, or at that time, uh, uh, PSP. Uh, P- PSP, yeah. Yeah, so he's, he plays a lot of flight simulators on his PSP, so he knows how to land the plane. You know, I haven't seen a movie oh. in so long. Really, the only thing I remember is a dude who got his pants zipped down and there's a snake in it. Yeah, oh, yeah, right, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, I, one of my favorite things about that movie is that every time that there's a room, like when the cockpit gets attacked by snakes, or when the like, guy in the cargo area gets attacked by snakes, it's always a, a different snake but all of them are the same so it's like when the cockpit gets attacked it gets attacked by some little green snakes but when the guys in the basement or in the cargo area it's the anaconda or you know it's all the rattlers or whatever like they all move as a crowd (laughs) but probably just because the cg budget was such where they were like hey guys it's way easier if we just use the same model in the scene (laughs) just paint it different yeah like really it's it's really it's a lot of work um, that movie is, is just shit. Like, it doesn't really hold up very well. I haven't um, seen it in years. Oh, yeah. I, I watched it a couple, like, maybe five years ago. Um, yeah. It, it's not great. And the CG is just terrible. You remember Snake Vision? Mm-hmm. Every now and then you would go into Snake Vision, like the Predator, <laughs> and, and, and you'd follow snakes around before they bite people on the nipple. Oh, oh, that movie is so dumb. Anyway, so that's my number ten. Nice. Yeah. Zach? Zach, number nine. 
My number nine was Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> <laughs> wow, a repeat that's, that fast. Number nine, that's a legitimate number. <laughs> I'm, uh. That's his plan, is he's just gonna, like, whatever your last movie was, he's gonna say that's his next one. And, uh, right. That's why he picked Hospital first. He's like, oh, well, this one doesn't matter. But. <laughs> no, uh, I'm a huge Samuel L. Jackson fan. Yeah. And this is kind of like the ultimate Samuel L. Jackson movie to some degree. Sure. Um, and also, um, I kind of dig the concept and, um, some of the, and some of the CGI doesn't really hold up anymore, but it's a fun, stupid movie. I, I, I totally dig I think, it. I think, so. yeah, I think you just have to embrace what it is. And if you do, you'll right. have fun watching it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So... So yeah, that was my number nine. Snakes on a plane. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> cool. for sweeping the lake so early. I was the first person to sweep. Maybe. <laughs> nice. Maybe. Uh, cool. Brad, Brad, you're number nine. Snakes on a plane. Uh, how'd you guess? Uh, actually, I've never seen it, so. Oh okay. You, I had no uh, idea what you're talking about. You probably Blue on you. <laughs> you probably should watch it now. I, 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 the moment. Yeah, you gone. ruined it for me. Yeah. Um, my number nine is. I don't know how to introduce it. I'm just gonna say it's a scanner darkly. It may just be my imagination. Whatever it is that's watching, it's not human. Gentlemen, you are about to witness for approximately 61 cents the perfect homemade silencer. That sure is some silencer. Drive over to my place, kick back, get some tequila. <laughs> They're in my hair, on my skin. They're all over the place. This is a world getting progressively worse. Can we not agree on that? What's on the survey? Damage has taken place to the normally dominant left hemisphere, and the right hemisphere is attempting to compensate. Two hemispheres of my brain. Yes. I could be murdered. How did I get here? I tip my hat to any entity that could bring so much integrity to evil. What if they come in through the back door or the bathroom window like that infamous Beatles song? To sacrifice someone without them ever knowing it. Scanner see into the head, into the heart. Does it see into me clearly or darkly? And I like it just because the animation's awesome. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, that. yeah. It's, those artists work so hard on the movie. Yeah, I, I, like I said, if I was going to pick a favorite RTJ, it'd definitely be that one from this year because it's a it's a different film too. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a weird psychedelic kind of story um, about drug abuse. Yep, and uh, sci-fi drug abuse. Sci-fi drug abuse, and uh, you're just kind of distracted by how gorgeous like this rotoscoped animation is on all these characters and all the weird wor- worlds or weird places that can take them uh, to make it even weirder story. Um, and I think it tells a, or it does a good job of using the animation to tell the story, yeah. like to augment the story. Um, because there are, if it was just live action, it would be bland, 
but well, or, well, or, to say it a different way, if it was just live action, it'd be full of a bunch of CG because there's there's sections where like characters are seeing things that aren't really there, or yeah. they're seeing things incorrectly because of drugs and stuff like that. And because of the way they animate it, it's actually really easy for you to to sort of feel the emotion of how they're feeling because you're used to the world being animated. So by the time you get to like where things are unsettling, you're like, oh, oh, this is this is unsettling. Um, it's it's cool. It's a unique little thing. I mean, I don't want every movie to look like that. Right. Just that one is is a is a really neat experience. You know, the, the, on Blu-ray, it looks amazing. Oh, I bet. Oh, the, the only thing I wish the special feature had on Blu-ray, I wish they uh, had an interview had, with Robert Downey. No, there is one. I wish they had. <laughs> The movie without the rotoscope, because I'd be interested to see Ooh, what no. they did with it. Because you know, or at least, they, or at least a lot of footage. Cut. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I mean, they filmed it because I uh, they talked about they filmed the movie live action, then they went back and drew uh, rotoscoped it. And I thought be it'd be really interesting to see how it looked, yeah. or maybe just like segments of it. I guess. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know if anybody's ever going to watch that movie straight through that way. Yeah. But if you had like, hey, here's like some key scenes mm-hmm. side by side, even you know, yeah. yeah, that might be really awesome. Yeah, that's cool. But it still looks great. If you, I think the Blu-ray is super cheap. I w- it's oh, definitely sure. worth getting on Blu-ray. Yeah. yeah, that's neat. Cool, good pick. Right. Uh, my actually, this my list is pretty horror heavy. I didn't know there were so many great horror films from this year. Surprise. Um, this one is actually was never released in theaters. I think it maybe it was very small. Um, and it takes a fun look at the slasher films. My number nine is called Behind the Mask: The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Silas buried his body in the fields and dragged Molly from the house, hanging her in the farm's apple orchard. Like you're walking, and everybody else is running their asses off. That boy, he's going to be the best yet. Everybody thinks we just wake up one morning and start obsessing about a girl and start stalking her, killing everybody that gets in the way. That does seem to happen a lot with you guys. There's always been hacks out there. One hits wonders, just cheapens it. That's great, honey. Welcome to my allegedly ancestral home. There are 11 exits from the first floor. And another eight or nine that might be manageable from the second floor. You want to eliminate as many as you can from being practical. I'll wait here for them to start doing their thing. All the obvious weapons I've sabotaged. Why are you doing this? We're not going to have this conversation. Oh, why? What? You don't get in the van. Yeah. 
how will this play out? How will this work? You won't like what you see. I promise you that. This is like my Christmas. I'm so happy. Let's make sure you're getting this. Go! it had like a, a very light release it did get a small limited yeah. release in uh like was it like 50 theaters yeah I, you know it's one of those films that i think if it's hard to market and it's hard to play wide right. um basically it's this documentary film crew is going around filming a, a slasher like jason and he's giving them all access to what he does and it's really funny because there'll be parts where he's uh, he's like training and the interviewer, she asked, she says, why are you training so hard? He, and he's out of breath and he's sweating. He's like, do you know how hard it is to like walk and kill people when they're running away from you? <laughs> and um, and it have like little clever things like that. And the movie is really well done. And it, it continues in this documentary style until about uh, maybe 20 minutes left. And then it switches to a horror film mm-hmm. where you realize that uh, Leslie Vernon's actually been using these people to get them out to this farmhouse to kill them. Hmm. Uh, so he, it was all part of his plan to uh, kill more people. And then it goes more straightforward. It has a great Robert England in it. Um, Plays but, like the Loomis type role. He does play the Loomis type role. Uh, it has that lady from Poltergeist, Zelda, you know, the really weird lady. Um, yeah, It's just a really different movie. And you'd, uh, if you love slasher films like I do, you'd appreciate uh, the behind the mask because and, and it's actually pretty creepy at parts. They do when it switches to a full blown horror film. It's actually pretty good. They, it has a really great atmosphere. Uh, the the people who made it spent a lot of time looking at the the cliches and the tropes of slasher films and playing them. No, I think about it, it's, a, it's a little bit like what we do in the shadows, but for like yeah, exactly, Jason. exactly. Yeah. It's exactly that because hmm. the guys, the guy who plays Leslie Vernon is actually really funny and he's really charming. And uh, but when he turns on the killer, it's pretty. It's, yeah, I think that it has been halfway impact. through. Yeah, when yeah. it becomes a full blown horror movie, yeah, yeah, it drops that hole. It drops, yeah, him being goofy. Um, so I, I really liked it. And he, I think that was the launch of that that Masters of Horrors series. Masters of Horror series, is that right? Do no, that? It, oh, okay. It, the Masters of Horror was a Showtime show that they had. You know, John Landis and oh, okay. Mick Garris. I thought I remember like that, that having that branding on there. But anyway, okay, cool. Cool but it, it it looks like it could be an episode of that. It yeah. does. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that's uh, my number nine is behind the mask. Sweet, cool. Uh, so my number nine is uh, sort of a recent one. Maybe maybe a little bit balanced, like biased because I I just watched it in in preparation for this list uh, on Henry's recommendation. Um, so my number nine is the Devil Wears Prada. Miranda Priestley's the editor-in-chief of Runway. So you don't read Runway? No. Not to mention a legend. And before today, you'd never heard of me? No. 
You work a year for her and you can get a job at any magazine you want. You have no style or sense of fashion. I, I, no, no. That wasn't a question. You got a job at a fashion magazine? What was it, a phone interview? Who is that sad little person? Are we doing a before and after piece I don't know about? I just have to stick it out for one year. And then I can do what I came to New York to do. Be a journalist. But I can't let Miranda get to me. I need 10 or 15 skirts. What kind of skirts? Please bore someone else with your questions. Never ask Miranda anything. When you run errands. Hello? Where are my eggs? Hello? Lingerie. Boogie boards. Oh, oh. A million girls would kill for this job. I thought, take a chance. Hire the smart fat girl. She hates me, Nigel. There's a way that you can help me. No. Please, I'm desperate. I know, it's tragic. Will that fit me? Little Chris go and some fishing line and we're in business. I'm still the same person. Better clothes. You know, I like the old clothes. Andy, you look so chic. You look so thin. Do I? Just one stomach flew away from my gold weight. Happy birthday. Yeah, I'm so sorry. My personal life is hanging by a thread. And that's what happens when you start doing well at work. Let me know when your whole life goes up in smoke. It means it's time for a promotion. Do you know why I hired you? I see a great deal of myself in you. People think that success just happens to you. It doesn't. You want this life? The decision's yours. I need to get home tonight. No one is flying out because of the weather. Please. It's just, I don't know, drizzling. I like Emily uh, Blunt. I was genuinely surprised by how much I liked this movie. Um, it still only makes its way in at nine, and, and it was this and one other movie, that, and we can talk about it later, that I was like, I was rocking back and forth and going, ah. Um, but the truth is, like, I, I had somewhat of an emotional connection to, like, this character in this story. I think it, it totally cops out near the end when it turns itself into, like, this, you know sort of statement about how you know any anybody who who works a lot just is unhappy forever and i'm like no no i, I think you're simplifying this a little too much um but at the same time I, th- I think they tell a good story and i think meryl streep's performance is really amazing um and it seems like it shouldn't be because on it on the surface it's just like oh she's a terrible person but there's these subtle little things she does to sort of break that facade um, plus, in order to make that movie work, there's a couple of scenes she has to pull off really, really well. Uh, and especially there's one very near the end that she's just amazing. Um, I thought the movie was really fun. Uh, the closest thing to a comedy on my entire list. Uh, and, and definitely worth checking out. I, I was really sort of shocked by Because I remember when it came out, and I was like, I don't, I don't think this is for me. And then I had heard, like, oh, no, it's, re- it's really good. And I just never got around to watching it. Um, but this was one that I, yeah, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, so thank you, Henry. Uh, I think it's his number two, but we'll get to that later. Um, so yeah, that's my number nine. Cool. Zach? Um, my number eight is one that uh, I think I picked it mainly because of the memory of going to see it with my friend in the theater and just how much we enjoyed rewatching it over and over again. And my number eight is V for Vendetta. Do you know why you're here, Evie Hammond? 
You're being formally charged with treason, terrorism and sedition, the penalty for which is death by firing squad. You have one chance, and only one chance, to save your life. You must tell us the identity or whereabouts of codename V. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Yes. Are you ready to cooperate? No. Excuse me, miss. I'm sorry. No, yet you're not. But you will be. The only verdict is vengeance. A vendetta. <laughs> if our own government was responsible for the deaths of a hundred thousand people, would you really want to know? You're getting back at them for what they did to you. Fear became the ultimate tool of this government. I want everyone to remember why they need us. I wish I wasn't afraid all the time. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. This is exactly what he wants. Chaos. Cool movie. Yeah, I'm glad you. Yeah, I'm glad you got on your list because it was one of those where I was like, I want it on there, but it's into the mic. I, okay, <laughs> I'm glad you got it on your list because <laughs> it was one of the ones that I wanted to get on there. Yeah, but I just didn't find a spot for it. Yeah, no, it's it's a good it's a it's a good movie. Maybe not in keeping with the comic book material, but you know nobody's perfect, and um, I think they managed to tell a straightforward, especially fun, Ellis books. Yeah. yeah. You mean Alan, Alan Moore. Moore? Alan Moore. Yeah. Warren Ellis is way more forgiving. That's right. I mean, <laughs> Alan um, Moore. But um, uh, a fun little straightforward story about toppling a government that's corrupt and fun. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a fun yeah. story. I think it's a it is a fun movie. It is a fun you're, movie. You're rooting for rebellion. There's yeah. also terribly depressing, you know, Count of Monte Cristo sequences where people are locked in jail for being gay. That that part's less fun. No, but but th- th- that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I know. No, I. Uh, I'm just saying it is a fun movie. There's there are some darker aspects oh, to it. Oh, of course but, there are. Like, but yeah. it was one of those films that when my friend Sam and I went to go see in the theater, we just and the same thing happened the next year with 300, where it was the movie that we were mo- the most obsessed with, that we just had to keep watching over and over and over again. Sure. So, um, uh, and so, and I love Hugo Weaving's voice per- performance because mm-hmm. his um, he he's not the body double in. Um, the movie it's right. um, someone else but um hugo weaving's uh voice performance is absolutely amazing in that movie yeah so i just have to give it up to that and natalie portman's really good in the movie too um it um it has one of my favorite sequences in the movie is by far when he's doing the um what do you call it when a word has a when two words have the same uh, first letter? The alliteration. The alliteration. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Um, when he's like a, a victor, uh, a Victorian vaudevillian. Yeah. V, v, or simply V, and then he just carves the V into the concrete, and I was yeah. like, that's just so cool. Yep. So, um, and I love over the top performances like that. So. I got to give it up for V for Vendetta. Uh, that movie, I'll watch that like maybe once a year. Like it's a fun flick, yeah. So, and, cool and I'll movie. stand by that statement. It's a fun flick. 
Yeah. Despite its Count of Monte Cristo (laughs) connotations. No, I I totally agree. I think you go find your own tree. (laughs) I think what Brad was pointing out was that like there's a there's a lot of dark aspects and you know it's it's about this dystopian future. I was going to say, oppression's not very fun for me. Yeah, but it's not, you're not watching Schindler's List. It's, you're watching a, you're watching a fun action movie where they're fighting assholes, right? Like, I would consider Equilibrium to similarly be a fun movie. Um, The Matrix is about oppression and it's fun. Very fair. Yeah. Bam. Mic drop. Oppression, fun now. Well, we're not. Gonna <laughs> we're taking. We're taking it back. But we're not going to drop these mics because they're expensive. Yeah, but, and they're also on stands. But someday, <laughs> right? Yeah, cool. Good cool. pick. Yeah. Brad, number eight. My number eight is thank you for smoking. I don't have an MD or law degree. I have a bachelor's in kicking butt and taking names. I get paid to talk. What do you talk about? I speak on behalf of cigarettes. My mom uses. Cigarettes kill. Now, is your mommy a doctor? No. Well, she doesn't exactly sound like a credible expert now, does she? Yeah. We call ourselves the Mod Squad. M.O.D. Merchants of Death. We're lobbyists for the tobacco, alcohol, and firearms industries. How many alcohol-related deaths a year? Well, a hundred thousand. That's what, 270 uh, a day? The tragedy. I front an organization that kills 1,200 people a day. Dad, I want to see what you do. The message Hollywood needs to send out is smoking is cool. You can put the sex back into cigarettes. Get a flight to L.A. I'll get you a meeting with Hollywood super agent Jeff McGall. Yeah, I'm going to bring your dad in now. Is there anything I can get you? Like an orange juice or a coffee or a Red Bull? No, thanks. Okay. But what we need is a smoking role model, a real winner. Indiana Jones meets Jerry Maguire. Right, on two packs a day. This spring, don't hide the truth. We don't sell Tic Tacs, we sell cigarettes. And they're cool, available, and addictive. The job is almost done for us. Just filter it. The number one killer in America is cholesterol. And here comes Senator Finister, who's clogging the nation's arteries with Vermont cheddar cheese. The great state of Vermont will not apologize for its cheese. What happens when you're wrong? See, Joy, that's the beauty of argument. Because if you argue correctly, you're never wrong. This is a heated issue. Nick, do you have a question? How on earth would Big Tobacco profit off of the loss of this young man? It's in our best interest to keep Robin alive and smoking. I know you heard of a reporting. Heather Holloway. My other interviews have pinned you as a mass murderer, bloodsucker, pimp, profiteer, and my personal favorite, Yuppie Methisopolis. I'm a man of the people. Rock on, Kennedy. Your family now. Tobacco takes care of its own. Michael Jordan plays ball. Charles Manson kills people. I talk. Thank you for smoking. Sony has a futuristic sci-fi movie they're looking to make. Cigarettes in space. It's the final frontier, Nick. But wouldn't they blow up in an all-oxygen environment? Probably. But it's an easy fix. One line of dialogue. Thank God we invented the, you know, whatever device. I'm glad that guy. I, I was going to say the same thing. I'm really glad somebody got that on the list. Did I hurt you, James? No, no, it's no. Not on your list? Nope. Wow, I totally thought it was. This is one of my least favorite Jason Reitman films. I think it's wow. great. I think it's great. I just, it's not. It's his first film, you know. Yeah, and it's a pretty good film. It uh, is. It's a really snappy script. Uh, it's uh, he wrote and directed it, and uh, yes. I'm just impressed. Well, like, it's an adaptation from a book, but yeah, right, right. It's, it's yeah. It's, sorry, yeah, it's an adaptation from the book. Uh, but it's, you know, when you're adapting it, like the basically the director has his head in all the characters and like yeah. there's, there's everyone's just got 
uh, like Rob Lowe's character and J.K. Simmons and just like all these uh, ancillary characters just are just so fun. Um, and it's about this guy who works for – he's a tobacco lobbyist and he's really good at uh, argue, arguing his point. And he teaches you how he does uh, – gets through that. And there's all these like clever uh, gags on screen like overlays and stuff and uh, cutaways and, th- and things that uh, – it's just really clever, really insightful. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, like I going in, you, you don't think the character's going to change by the end, but it's it's amazing how he does a little bit um, and reforms his life. Uh, yeah, it's just really really good. And and smart. I'm still not sure Sam Elliott is not the Marlboro Man, <laughs> <laughs> like in real life. Yeah, <laughs> he might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This the way he talks is because at first, like the Marvel Man's pretty dead set on not accepting the money, and then you watch Aaron Eckhart quickly form this plan on how to convince him to take it. It's just so brilliant. So good. Yeah. Um, I need to watch that again. Yeah. And I was blown away. I forgot like how many, like these deep cut characters, uh, like these actors who are big now are in that movie. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's cool. I think it's really cool that we're at eight and there's already a movie that we're like, Oh good. Oh man. I really (laughs) wanted to talk about this. Like this was a good year. You know what's weird too is he met, uh, like there's a line of dialogue, uh, he says like men, women, and children like three or four times throughout the movie. Really? And that's later. Yeah, that's, that's the, the title his of his most other movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that was also based on a book, so he didn't do that. Okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> just coincidence. All the connections. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ryan, what's your cool. number eight? Uh, my number eight is Click. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my number eight. Is, I can see it. Is actually, I think it's actually that Click's actually a pretty cute movie. But yeah. um, my number eight is another horror film. Uh, this man directed a f- film called Dog Soldiers first. Uh, his name's Neil Marshall. He's really, really good. Um, and what I think makes this horror film so interesting is the character buildup before the horror starts. Uh, this horror film is called The Descent. Okay, give me a smile. Do you know, are you sure we're going the right way? I've never been lost in my life. <laughs> There's only one way out of this chamber, and that's down the pipe. I'm stuck! I can't breathe! Sarah, you have to calm down. I'm coming, I'm coming back! Okay? Okay. Okay, move! Now! Now!
uh, The Descent tells a story about uh, female spelunkers who go through caves, and the, one of them suffers a tragedy where she loses her husband and her daughter in an automobile accident. So they go to West Virginia to go uh, through these caves, and whilst they're there, uh, they are attacked by subterranean vampire, zombie, monster, fucking, I don't know what they are. Mole men. Mole men. Sure. And uh, there's some really, really iconic shots in it. Yeah. Uh, there's, I, I'd probably say the most iconic one is where there's like a pool of blood, and the lady like kind <laughs> of like comes out of it like Apocalypse Now. Uh, it's lit really well, and to, it's really suspenseful. It's a really well done film. Yeah. Um, I think the monsters in it are pretty scary. Uh, it's just really well done. And there's two endings to it. There's one where she gets out. And if you watch, if you have the Blu-ray, it actually does the original unrated version where she doesn't get out. And she has this weird uh, kind of surreal moment with her daughter who's not there anymore. Um, and it's, I think it's actually a better ending. Yeah, me too. Um, because I, I don't mind happy endings, but for that story, I don't think it works. No. I think it needed to be dark because that movie actually does do a good job of telling you a story about that character Mm -hmm. and if they get away it's it's like there's this and it's a thing that a number of horror movies do like if they get away you're not actually forcing the character to face the thing that they're supposed Mm -hmm. to be learning what you're doing is like you're releasing them and then the audience is left to think like well i guess she learned her lesson like i guess yeah. i guess that she re- you know um I, that's actually how i feel about uh uh the shallows this year mm-hmm. where not that i wanted her to die by sitting on a rock all for the rest of her life um i'm just saying like sometimes when you well, let the character go it's like a cop out ending where the yeah. audience just says like oh i'm sure they they figured it out and the thing with the descent is i mean she still could have gotten out but i think the movie right. ends better that way where yeah. There's because a question the, behind it's it. Not, that's not the point. The point exactly. is... Well, the point is we scared you a lot, but along the way you told, we told you a story about this woman who was going through something. And which, she, the only way she's going to get past that is if she reconciles the fact that her daughter's not there anymore. Right. And um, she, cool. on, she only does that towards, you know, in the real ending. And I, I think the movie's really well done. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I enjoy it. I, I, I watch it a lot. It's a cool movie that even I saw... And when you said it, I was like, holy shit, this was a really good movie, good year for horror. Like, every one of the ones you've said so far is something that I remember people talking about a lot. Um, which is why I eventually saw The Descent, because there were so many people going like, oh, this movie is really great. Like, okay. Yep. So, yeah, that's my, that's my number eight, is The Descent. That's a good pick. Cool. Uh, my number eight. What is my, what is my number eight? Oh, I think I may sweep some legs on my number eight. Uh, my number eight is... <clears throat> Uh, Casino Royale? Your file shows no kills. But to become a double O, it takes two. How did you die? Your contact? Not well. You needn't worry. The second is... Yes. Considerably. The man was Le Chiffre, private banker to the world's terrorists. Which would explain how he could set up a high-stakes poker game at Casino Royale in Montenegro. If he loses this game, he'll have nowhere to run. You're the best player in the service. The Treasury has agreed to stake you in the game. But if you lose, our government will have directly financed terrorism. I will be keeping my eye on our government's money. And off your perfectly formed house. You noticed. I hope our little game isn't causing you to perspire. 
doesn't bother you killing those people. Well, I wouldn't be very good at my job if it did. How's our girl? Melted your cold heart yet? James, get the girl out. You're not going to let me in there. You've got your armor back on. I have no armor left. You've stripped it from me. Whatever is left of me. Whatever I am. I'm yours. The only question remains. Will you yield? In time. Why would you do that? <laughs> no, I, I don't think I swept anybody's number one. I'm just saying, I'm sure this is higher on some other people's lists. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, this was a... This movie made me like James Bond again. Um, like a really cool tour de force of that character that like redefines some yeah. of what's cool about him. And, and is also just... Even if you took James Bond out of it and na- na- named him anything else... It's still just a kick-ass action movie with a really interesting story um, that is that is daring enough to put action scenes in in you know poker poker parlors and like in different places so that you don't you're not just watching like like a Jason Bourne movie which I love but you're not just watching running from place to place and like random action scenes they're they're they have a purpose they're a part of the plot and they push us forward um, it's just, it's a really cool movie. What uh, I will and say it's got about, a f- it's got a fourth act which is insane. Uh, uh, so yeah, Casino Royale is it makes me not like other James Bond movies, the, right. the ones before it. <laughs> exactly <laughs> because I think it's so well done. It's like I still think uh, Skyfall is the best James Bond film, but I think sure. Casino Royale is really close. Because I would argue that I I think that Casino Royale is a better, tighter script. I think that Skyfall is telling a better, like a more interesting story that's yeah. more about like who James Bond is and, and really having him force, I mean, it, you know, facing things. Today's Sunday. T- tomorrow I could like Casino Royale more than oh, I like no, Skyfall. Agreed. You know what I mean? But, um, when but I, I get it. When I think back to the fact that like that movie has its three-act structure and ends and then uh, Eva Green's character turns out to be a bad guy and we have a whole nother long action sequence in Venice that is amazing. Yeah. And, and so the whole movie just starts over again and and everything changes um and you're i mean but at that point in the movie you're like oh okay like i guess we're done um and then it just sharp left turn no i it, agree it's it's so brilliant it, it's it's i mean like i said i after i saw them, like oh the other james bond films are stupid <laughs> right and yeah. i'm not saying that they're not entertaining for what they are exactly but but that, they're not on par exactly because royale elevated and not only james bond i think it actually elevated action movies too yeah uh yeah. because it's Parkour. Well, yeah, it, parkour, it, parkour yeah. it, it took a lot of what other people were doing and built on their shoulders very, very appropriately. Mm-hmm. You know, it took a little bit of the parkour from what was going on in 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 
in little movies like a like a District B thirteen or something like that, threw a little of that in there, took the the maturity of other action movies at the time. Um, and they jettisoned like the silly um, concepts that like James Bond's been known for, like um, like all the gadget, like the crazy gadgets right. and the yeah. Um, they they grounded him, and then they took the, the women facets with, like clever names, right? Yeah, they they took the facets of him that are actually important, like for example, him being a womanizer, and instead they broke that down and said, okay, mm-hmm. how does he become that? Right? Like if we're really gonna look at this yeah. as like an origin story, like what if we tell a story where he actually falls in love with someone and they betray him terribly, and then even though he still loves them, they die horribly in his arms. Like and then he treats every woman from then on out as completely disposable, exactly. with I the think, exception of M. I, I think you know? it's an interesting concept. Is the reason he becomes one is to keep women away from him? Exactly. And I think that's it's, an interesting take. And right. I think that's why it's so good. In in that story, he learns like, oh, I'm really dangerous. Like mm-hmm. I'm terrible for people. Um, and so you watch this guy who's actually kind of fun and cocky in the first movie. Like especially like when they go to the hotel and there's this fun play between them you watch him turn into kind of a an unfun monster by the time you get to skyfall where like everything's pretty terrible and he's not really having a good time and he doesn't really like himself very much which is why then they have to dig into that character and you know kill him and do all of this other amazing stuff i it's really a pretty spectacular thing that they did it's too bad that half of those movies are not great um but Overall, I, Casino Royale put them on such an amazing path. I think so too. Um, that even when I, I don't think Quantum of Solace is garbage, it's just yeah, like, so. oh man, it's just not as good as Casino Royale. It's still fun, um, you know. It's one of those yeah. things. It's still a fun movie, but you're coming off Casino Royale, which, like I said, would have been impossible to top. Yeah. Yep. So cool. Uh, seven. We're on seven. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. My number seven is a uh, World War Two film. That um, is oh, it's part a fucking of a... Eastwood film. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Is it? My number seven <laughs> is Flags of Our Fathers. <laughs> you get it? I don't know. I wish I could have seen their faces. The right picture can win or lose a war. You're going to want to see this. Now, this picture. People went crazy over it country was tired of war. One photo, almost all on its own, turned that around. Any theories why they ain't shooting? Maybe they're all dead. What do you think, Doc? You think they're all dead? Severance asked me who else is in that picture. You tell them it was me? No. Then pick someone dead. They don't want somebody dead. They want to ship us back to the States. Here are the heroes of Iwo Jima. Everybody wants to meet you guys. Just some simple things I want you to say. Mostly, buy bonds. You know, I think this whole damn thing is a farce. If we don't raise $14 billion, this war's over by the end of the month. As far as us being the heroes of Iwo Jima, that's just not the case. The real heroes are dead on that island. Knowing he was with you that day and seeing him in that photograph, I 
don't know why it makes me feel better, but it does. It's so silly. No, it's not. I can't take them calling me a hero. Some of the things I saw done, anyone thinks to be proud of. the other one appear on my list Ooh. <laughs> mm. uh i like flags of our fathers a lot um it uh for some reason that film makes me cry a lot especially near the end um and um there's a a great contrast in the way everything's shot like it's very drab it's very gray it's a very grayscale yeah. film um mixed in with a lot of saturation and dirt and it was still shot on film at the time so you can kind of get that gritty, atmospheric look down to a T, um, especially on the uh, sequences on the beach where they accentuate the fact that this was a pretty much a sulfuric island yeah. that they were fighting on. Like nothing but like dirt all around you that is as black as uh, you know the microphone covers. Um, and uh, uh, Ryan Felipe is good in the movie. Um, Jesse Bradford's good in the movie. Adam Beach steals this movie as Ira Hayes, um, who is a Native American um, uh, uh, sorry. Uh, Marine in the uh, in the invasion who um, has a very tragic end to him. Um, and also, for some reason, I don't know where he is exactly in the movie, but Paul Walker's apparently in the movie. Huh. Yeah, which I found interesting. He's driving the car. <laughs> He's driving the car. <laughs> I forgot to mention there is a scene where Vin Diesel at the end says, let's race. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. He pulls up at the end. He's actually playing his character from Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, exactly. He's like, come he on, dies, guys. Then I'll totally um, well, he dies put in that Saving. in my top ten. Well, no, he, he, even though you thought he died in Saving Private Ryan, he shows back up. Oh, man. At the end of Flags of Our Private, Fathers. Yeah. Ryan he, just went down a few things off for me. He Michelle Rodriguez is his way into Flags of Our Fathers. Exactly. So, Reminds um, my cousin, sir. <laughs> So, uh, anyway, that's my number seven, Flags of Our Fathers. Oh, shit. Awesome. Great, Zach. Sorry we derailed that. By uh, that's okay. Being <laughs> I, terrible. I opened myself up for it. <laughs> cool. Brad? You should know by now it's okay to abuse me. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we do it so lovingly. Uh, seven? Yeah. Seven. My number seven uh, will self-destruct in three, two, one. Who are you? You have a, a wife, girlfriend. Whoever she is, I'm going to find her. And then I'm going to kill you right in front of her. Boom. You're a dork. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Zach? Get the fuck out. 
Here's the door. Walk over there. Uh, Night at the Museum? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Mission Impossible 3. Um, oh, so good. Yeah. It's, it's tons of fun. Uh, lots of great action. Uh, great story. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Great villain. Killing it. Uh, this you have a wife. <laughs> <laughs> they introduced Simon Pegg in this one. Yeah. Simon Pegg is in this one. Uh, um, yeah, because this is this is where J.J. Abrams came on and was like, hey, why don't we make these awesome? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not a fan of the second one, so right. my expectations were low for the third one, and they kind of, this is where the franchise kind of got new legs, uh-huh. and they've been, they're going to have four off this model, off of this? Yes. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, maybe, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love if, the scene where uh, if Cruise gets the money, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Tom Cruise are in the plane together. Yeah, and they're just arguing back and forth, and Philip Seymour Hoffman's just a total fucking asshole. And yeah, it's awesome. It's so good. He'll get his money. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a sixth Mission Impossible. Oh yeah. Oh for sure. Uh, but yeah, no, this movie. You're right. It kind of set it on uh, Mission Impossible on a different course, where each one kind of has its own feel to it. But this one kind of set the tone for the rest of the series. Yeah, it makes it makes Ethan Hunt into a more relatable character. Um, I think I think it's it's mature in a way that some of the others aren't, and and I think a lot of of movies of its ilk are not right. The the and maybe it's a cheap trick, but it's a cheap trick that works really well for me. The fact that they never tell you what the right maybe they white want you rabbit, to want it. <laughs> the, yeah, you said cheap trick, so I was doing. You want me to want you, right? I need uh, you to need the, me. The, the, anyway, the, the fact that they never tell you what the white, uh, what the rabbit's foot is, to me, is a cheap trick that works really, really well um, because it takes it takes all of the pressure off of the this dumb, convoluted story about like what the bad guy's doing, and is more about how the bad guy does it and what we do to the bad guy in order to stop him, and and how are we going to actually pull this off? Because it doesn't really like whether it's a nuke or some disease or whatever. Like it doesn't matter. Um, that's not where the stakes in this movie come from. The stakes in this movie come from what the characters are doing to each other and and how much you believe Philip Seymour Hoffman when he says, I'm going to find your wife and I'm going to kill her in front of you. And you're like, oh, shit. This I mean, is going to be bad. I remember sitting in the theater. I'll never forget this. I was at Denver West. Mm-hmm. I was watching it. That opening scene happened. And I like sat up in my chair uh-huh. because it got me. And I, I call it the J.J. Abrams alias because... Right. Yeah, he jumps back in time. He, yeah, he jumps oh, back in time. So good. So he leaves that nugget in your head of what happened. Uh huh. And you're trying to get there. And I mean, and there's a part where Tom Cruise gets blasted against a car that you remember, and oh, it's so cool. He's running really fast. Yeah. Even though it doesn't make any sense, Mm-mm. it still looks so cool to have him like explode sideways. Wait, Tom Cruise ran in a movie? Oh, he runs so good. <laughs> in fact, I will posit. That him running at the end of this movie is the best running James Dom Cruise has ever done. Oh, when he's running through like when he's running through Shanghai, Shanghai to yeah. find his wife, and he's and he's on the phone with Simon Pegg, and Simon Pegg's like, "You gotta turn left," and then he finally like he's like, "Okay, you're almost there," and he takes the phone, he throws it in the fucking river, and then he just keeps running like, "I gotta get there." I don't know, he oh. does some pretty stellar running in Dubai in the next one. Yes, that's true. <laughs> in a sandstorm, but in this one, he had to get his wife. <laughs> he was running with purpose. It was good running. Um, Mission Impossible 3 is badass. Yeah, man, that movie is super solid. Maybe we'll talk about it again sometime. Probably. <laughs> uh, my number seven might surprise some people. <gasps> I'm not a big fan of dramas, um, but every once in a while I watch a drama and I get I get behind it because the lead performance is so good. And 
it's sad and heartbreaking at the same time. And there's a mystery in it that they never solve. And uh, my number seven is Hollywoodland. The guy used to play Superman. And he shot himself What? Someone thinks he didn't. Mr. Reeves, why don't you tell me about him? A charming man. I'm much too old for you, you know? Your husband is the general manager of MGM. Tell me what you want. You can have it. Where he wound up, it should have been enough. What are these? These marks. What did he do, beat himself up before he shot himself? Dead detective. What's he got? Some questions. Since when did suicides miss twice and start over? That's unusual. You ever been to a party where a man goes upstairs and blows his head off? No. Then how do you know what's unusual? There's more going on than you realize. George shot himself. He was shot. Who did that? You have anything to tell me? Anything I need to have a story ready for. This murder, I think it might be true. What's true or false really doesn't matter. If it hurts the studio, if it stops one person from buying a ticket, I have to fix it. This is how they work and it just gets buried. And a bomb put in Reeves' head. Why? I'll always take care of my boy. You could have gotten me something, but you didn't. Because you liked me where I was in a red suit. But that's not who I am. I was gonna wipe the blood off your hands. My hands? Prove it. I'm in the picture business. Based on the true story of Hollywood's most notorious unsolved mystery. I see the pieces, how they should fit, how I want them to fit. fuck are you <laughs> uh, i think ben what affleck you've done am- with ryan <laughs> no, i think ben affleck is amazing in this movie he's really good i think the story they tell is fascinating mm-hmm. uh I, I, Th- that last shot in the movie oh yeah with him playing his guitar wow. and then and then it, and then it fades over to um adrian brody on uh just looking at an empty bed <laughs> Because I mean, it's just it's just powerful. Like it it's powerful stuff on this mystery that will never be solved. Because it'll never be solved. But but they do posit the idea that it probably was suicide. Well, I guess people are talking about the whole premise of the movie is Adrian Brody is playing an investigative, uh, uh, a private investigator. private investigator, and he's investigating the death of George Reeves, who uh, committed suicide, and George Reeves was the Superman. And then there's some people who believe he was murdered. So it's kind of Adrian Brody trying to figure out what happened. And it does flashbacks with Diane Lane and um, mm-hmm. Ben about, Affleck. It's about understanding the sleaze of old Hollywood. Like, exactly. It where, is. where the old ways died. And I, I, it literally is like when Eddie Mannix – sorry, I, I hate to bust in on you. But when Eddie Mannix is um, fighting with his wife over like, I'll get you somebody new. I'll get you somebody new. And then he just turns to his mistress – just like this is this is where all this is where old Hollywood goes to die. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's a powerful film, and it's the like I said, the performances throughout are so subtle, um, never over the top. Everything in this film works for me. I just, I just think it's really well done. Fascinating, man. I, I I don't remember it well enough. I'm gonna have to go watch it again. You should. Um, that's really cool. It's a great wow. one. Yeah, neat. Yeah, it's my number seven. Cool. Uh, my number seven. Uh, is Mission Impossible 3. Um, which I will say is only slightly above Casino Royale on this list. Because um, they are... I love them both dearly. Uh, but it is it is about the fact that I... I adore those characters and I care about Ethan Hunt more than I actually end up caring about J- James Bond. Um, and it has to do with the fact that 
I was at the time this movie came out. I had just finished, I think, watching Alias, or I was almost done watching Alias, uh, and so it was like this almost dream come true of like watching this show that that you know, especially near the end, starts getting sort of you know treated poorly, um, and then all of a sudden you walk into a theater and you're like, wait, wait a second, like. This is basically an alias movie, only it's called Mission Impossible and it has a dude in it instead of, you know, uh, and the opening is him almost getting murdered instead of, like, a woman in lingerie on a plane. Um, But, uh, yeah, I I think the movie is fantastic, of course. Uh, It has one, I'll say this, there's one terrible line of dialogue, and that terrible line of dialogue is... I never bring it up. (laughs) I'm going to, because I have to explain why it's lower. Than, than it could be, mm-hmm. uh, is when he gets up on that wall outside of Rome, and for no fucking reason, he goes, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. What and he fuck? looks at the camera. And he looks at, and you're like, what are you talking, why is that in the movie? That it's so bad. Mm-hmm. I genuinely, I remember like, seeing my friends after the, after uh, we'd all seen it, and, and I, we hadn't seen it together, but I was like, oh man, did you guys see Mission Impossible 3? They were so good, and they just looked at me and they're like, no, it wasn't. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. It's like, okay, yeah, that line is really bad, but the rest of the movie is really cool. Like the helicopter at the beginning. Um, oh, that whole sequence is so cool. He's throwing the fucking magnetic grenades everywhere. Holy shit! That oh, that movie's great. Anyway, that's my number seven. First repeat of the night. No, no, no it's not. Yeah, no. yeah, because you had snakes on a plane. I forgot. Yep. Uh, so six. My number six is one of the most visually striking films I've ever seen. My number six is Pan's Labyrinth. In a dark time, when hope was bleak, there lived a young girl whose only escape was in a legend that wanted her back. The legend speaks of the lost soul of a princess from another world who will one day be reborn. There will be signs that mark her return. There will be secrets that reveal her destiny. There will be a journey
labyrinth. That's a good pick. Story set in 1944 in um, Spain um, about a young girl whose father, whose new, whose new stepfather, I guess I should say, is um, uh, uh, an oppressive warlord who's trying to stop a guerrilla army, and she retreats to this fantasy world um, brought on by this fawn named Pan. And they reveal in this imaginary world that she's a princess who must complete three tasks in order to um, claim immortality. So And escape. Yeah, and escape, which is a very key phrase in this movie throughout its entirety. Uh-huh. Um, I, uh, I, I can't remember. No, Hellboy was the first Guillermo del Toro film I had seen. But um, this was the one that made me love Guillermo del Toro. Right. Um, like just as a visual artist, um, the stuff that is accomplished in this film practically and with CGI components is, is striking. Um, I, 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 Guillermo Navarro was the cinematographer and heads hats off to him because he captured a beautiful world, uh, that honestly makes me cry every time I watch it at the very end. So. Yeah, this movie is is really stunning, and it's funny because I, I I've told this story before, but uh, earlier that year, Lady in the Water had come out, uh, and I had defended it as being like, <laughs> I agree with you now. I had defended it at the time as being like, oh, I thought it was fun. It was like a it was like an adult fairy tale, like in a in a neat like modern way. And then I saw Pan's Labyrinth, and I was like, oh shit, no, this is actually what I wanted. I just didn't know what I wanted. Can't polish a turd, right? Uh, and. I, yeah, the movie is is absolutely stunning. Um, the 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 villain is a, a complete asshole. I mean, there are moments in the movie that even though you don't necessarily see, well, no, actually, I would just say the whole sentence. But there are moments in the movie that are absolutely terrifying. Um, yeah, but they're not in the. Uh, but they're not like they're not necessarily in the fantasy world. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. And they're also not always in the in your face. Um, yeah. Sometimes they're in the guy's face. Ha ha. <laughs> um, but they're not like they're not overt it doesn't ever i don't think it ever feels like a horror movie necessarily but there are times where it becomes horrific mm-hmm. um yeah I, it's it's a an absolutely fabulous movie and one that i think is is one of the first times as an adult where i saw a movie and, and i'm a complete sucker for this now um where the movie ends without tying anything up nicely like it ends with sort of this question mark and i i remember adoring that when i first saw it and going like oh thank you thank you for not for not specifically saying that everything's okay or nothing is okay like it doesn't matter necessarily i'd like to just sit and think about this mm. um and i i love that part of the movie for sure yeah it's a really good film Agreed. Brad? Uh, I think they have a Criterion of it coming out this month. They do. It's, oh, it's yeah. new commissioned art, too. It's beautiful. Oh, <laughs> so much money. Cool. Or you can get the Ultra Edition. It's like all three of his... I forget what trilogy he calls it, but... Oh, the... It's like the Devil's the, Backbone, that one, and... Kronos? Maybe. I can't okay. remember. Yeah. Cool. So, Six. Six. All right, I need help on this one because uh, the title is really long. Uh, my number six is my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Borat. 
<laughs> it's it's Borat Cultural Learnings of America for Make Benefit Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. <laughs> That's the full actual title. Yagshamash, my name is Borat. I journalist for Kazakhstan. My government sent me to USA to make a movie film. Please, you look. Hello, nice to meet you. I'm new in town. Where? I want to say hello. Hello, my name is Borat. I'm uh, new in town. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> Welcome to our country, okay? My name is Borat. Okay, okay, good, good. Well, I'm not used to that, but that's fine. What is a nut? Jokes. A not joke, I would say, that suit is black. Not. Uh, this suit is not black. No, no, not has to be the end. Okay. Okay. This suit is black nut. This suit is black. Pause. You know what a pause is? Yes. This suit is black. Okay. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not Not. Quite... Can I say we support your war of terror? Kazakhstan is the greatest country in the world. I think that the cultural differences are vast. Exactly. And I think he's a delightful man, and it wouldn't take very much time for him to really become Americanized. You want to have a drink? You can't drink, damn. I like you, you pipples. How can I be like you? What's up, vanilla face? Is it not a problem that the woman have a smaller brain than a man? That's it. Okay. We're finished. We have to leave. Very nice. How much? is your wife? No, that's my wife. <laughs> In uh, my country, they would go crazy. Oh my. <laughs> uh, for these two, not so much. Please, you come see my film. If it's not success, I will be executed. And yeah, in 2006, I saw this up. I'm so up in, glad this got on someone's <laughs> list. <laughs> right. I saw this in Boulder with Adam um, at like their art theater which is now gone bulldozed for whatever hippie thing they built but Drugs. um uh yeah i remember being in the theater and it was so funny it was like that gut laugh that like mm -hmm. your yeah. chest hurts because your muscles are contracted so often um and the audience you know it, it was like a I'm about the bug size of the bug theater sure um sure. maybe like 200 seats maybe yeah uh very small but like it's hard to hear the movie at times because people were laughing so much. Uh, yeah, at, at, at the time it was just like, a, like surprising. I wouldn't say new comedy, but it was it was just unexpectedly that funny. Yeah. Um, and if you haven't seen Borat, it's about Sacha <laughs> uh, <laughs> Baron Cohen dressing up as a foreigner in uh, documentary style, walking around America trying to uh, trying to make Pamela Anderson his wife. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen it in a while, but that, like that's the whole thing. And it's so yeah, it's a road trip movie where he goes and just it gets exposed to all like kind of the less glamorous parts of uh, American culture. Yeah, a lot of stuff in the South. Yep. Um, yeah, but super funny. She is my sister. She is number two prostitute in Kazakhstan. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think part of. 
part of what was culturally interesting at the time was all that stuff of him like getting into these vans with people who didn't know that they weren't in a real documentary, right? And then all of a sudden they're in like this giant film that everyone is seeing, and now you're the asshole who got drunk with him in your RV and like said some racist shit, and you're yeah. like, oh, I guess you should have read that document a little closer, yeah. didn't you? Oh man. Because yeah. wasn't there a thing that where Pamela Anderson was pissed about it? Yeah. 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 There, was a, there were a lot of people pissed about that movie. <laughs> it was really funny, though. Um, yeah. yeah. Man, that's a good one. That's a really good one. <laughs> Shit. Uh, my number six has already been spoken for. It's Casino Royale. Ooh. It's a good one. It is. Daniel that's Craig's really handsome. Yeah. That's my right. wife thinks so. She loves that scene where he's getting tortured. Everybody's going to know that you scratched my balls. <laughs> uh, yeah, yep. that's a good one. So like I said, it makes all other James Bond movies stupid. Yep, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, cool, my number six? Right? Yep. It's still six? Okay, cool. Uh, okay, sorry for this one. Uh, my number six is The Prestige. Shoot me. Come on. No, I can't do it. <laughs> How'd you like that? How'd you do it? Magic. I'll perform this feat in a manner never before seen by yourselves or any other audience anywhere in the world. The audience loved it. This trip is top-notch. need to celebrate. (laughs) A real magician tries to invent something you've got. It's something that other magicians will scratch their heads over. I suppose you have such a trick. As you do. It's the one they're going to remember me for. What happened? It was the greatest magic trick I've ever seen. I need to know how he does it. He has no trick. It's real. Every great magic trick consists of three acts. The first act is called the pledge. The magician shows you something ordinary. But of course, it probably isn't. The second act is called the turn. He's obsessed with discovering your method. The magician makes this ordinary something do something extraordinary. Now you're looking for the secret. But you won't find it. That's why there's a third act called the prestige. This is the part with the twists and turns. Where lives hang in the balance. And you see something shocking you've never seen before. This was built by a man who can actually do what magicians pretend to do. Real magic. I know what you really are. How does he do it? You want the truth. Nothing is impossible. Secrets of my life. This movie, this movie deserves to be higher, but everything above this is better. Um, so, uh, this movie, this movie is really amazing. Um, especially like coming off of the heels of of, of Batman, and uh, I just I remember going and seeing this. That first semester of college, I just be like, "Holy shit!" Like, 
this guy's going to make some really amazing movies. And then he did. Um, especially like the, the way that the reveal happens at the end and how cool David Bowie is. Like, there's just so much in I this movie. I think Christian Bell is so great in this food. I didn't oh, figure out it was so... David Bowie till the credits. Like, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I was sitting there in the theater like, like, that guy looks what familiar. What the fuck is David Bowie doing here? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Christian Bale's performance in that movie is so And it good. takes place in Colorado Springs. Sure. Yeah. And Hugh that's a place. In it. And Hugh Jackman's um, great. great. Yeah. Yeah, Hugh Jackman, also really good. He, uh, you know, he, he actually carries the majority of the movie. Yeah. It's just that there's so much subtlety to Christian Bale's performance, especially all his scenes with, with uh, Scarlett Johansson and that woman what plays his wife. Who plays his wife in that movie? Rebecca Hall. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Okay, um, yeah, like all of those scenes with Christian Bale, which I feel like are a smaller portion of the film, but they have so much weight placed on them. Because um, I, I kind of remember that. Isn't, like, isn't the majority of the movie really told from Jackman's point of view? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, yeah. Yeah, Christian Bale ends up being an asshole, and he's reading uh, Christian Bale's diary well, most of the time. S- spoilers: one of them is an asshole. <laughs> The other one is just a follower of an asshole. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's shot so well. I think, it, I think the whole movie's beautiful. Hugh Jackman, also a complete asshole. Oh, yeah. They're not, they're not good guys at all. No. Uh, yeah, it ends up being a really dark film once you realize what's going on. Uh, yeah, really fantastic. Um, hard, to, hard to not say every good thing about it. So, Cool. Zach, five? We're halfway there. We're halfway there. I'm very sorry to do this to everybody. It's time to talk about the best sequel of all time. My number five is Clerks 2. Once in a generation, a film comes along that changes the way we think. That look was so gay, I thought Sam was going to tell the little hobbits to take a walk so he could saunter over to Frodo and suck his cock. Now that would have been an Academy Award-worthy ending. About romance. I had to take the order off of a guy I blew after junior prom. <sighs> yeah, I've waited on your brother, too. Religion. Yeah, you guys holding? Shit, everything but coke, heroin, and your cock. Aren't you going to be tempted to get high? Not with the power of Christ on my side, sir. <laughs> Intolerance. What can I get for you, little porch monkey? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. He didn't really just say what I think he said. What? Porch monkeys are racial slur against black people. Oh, it is not. Coon, spook, spade, mooly, jigaboo, nignog, those are racial slurs. You little mother. And sexual exploration. 17-year-olds nowadays are crazy. They even like it when you go ass to mouth. Hey, you never go ass to mouth, Randall. You sound like my mom. This summer. Let the hate man begin. That guy's being awfully far with that donkey. Oh. I'm disgusted and repulsed and I can't look away. Clerks 2. Yes! A film for anyone who likes to eat out. Oh, we totally do. Oh. White freaky stuff. Are you ready for a brand new camera? Are you ready? It's not the same. Yeah, no, you're good. You don't have to be mad, dog. Yeah. You're, you're fine, dog. <laughs> don't worry. It, it would have... Actually, I think it's a really good movie until the donkey show. Yep. <laughs> really? <laughs> I, I 100% agree with you. 
Yeah, um, the the donkey show undermines how awesome it just that it just kills is. the momentum. Is the mm-hmm. only thing, but I I still love the film. And you go from this. Emo- Sorry, Zach. Go so ahead. I really thought this was going to be on everybody's list. So apparently, I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> we rely on you to to bring Kevin Smith to us, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, he won't be appearing at the end of this year's film. Explosion, <laughs> I can tell you that one. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kevin, but I just can't. I just can't. It, Yoga Hosers wasn't made for me. Look, we'll sure. get into it next week. Um, Clerks 2 holds a special place in my heart because of a couple of reasons. One is around 2006, I started really getting into Kevin Smith. Thanks to Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back having already seen Jersey Girl in a theater um, in 2004 with my family, which I don't know why we decided to watch Jersey Girl, um, uh, and um, uh, getting really into the world of the Viewisk universe, which really helped shape me, and then I ended up being a part of that board for years, which got me in to, uh, you know, to be able to work with uh, some amazing people on a film recently. But also... Um, you know, my first boss was the cinematographer of uh, uh, Clerks 2, who's Dave Klein. And um, uh, was the first guy I worked under in an internship. And uh, to be able to have a movie that, like, means that much to me is is uh, quite uh, quite a treat. And um, also the jail sequence. Uh-huh. I think the jail sequence is probably one of the most touching things I've ever seen in comedies. Uh, to me because it encapsulates an entire universe of films into a few sentiments that actually like make you want to cry. I think that there's a lot of heart to this film that a lot of people seem to think is a problem. And I really don't understand why they think it's a problem. Um, I think for all that there is that for all the heart that there is, there's just as much grime as that first film had. Oh yeah. And I think that there's, a lot to be said about I love the last shot where they go to black and white and you see the milkmaid in the background. I, I honestly think it's one of the most it's one of the most beautiful films I think Kevin's ever made. So I would definitely say that that jail sequence is, is I think one of the most mature things he's ever written. Yes, um, I would absolutely I mean, that, agree. That is him saying something very sincere um <laughs> And I think saying something very sincere about probably who he is and maybe who he was. Uh, I mean, that, that sequence is really honest. Yeah. Um, and, and honest in a, in a simple way that I think most people can relate to if they actually take a step back and like look at their own friendships and go like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's probably me too. Um, yeah, that, that scene is, is really fantastic. Yeah. For sure. Um, so. And then there's a donkey show. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just think, I think that you're gonna laugh at what my favorite line in that movie is, though. What? It's not from anybody but a new character. Ooh, cake. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's fine. The thing yeah, is, is, I think the film is really really good, and then I think the donkeys show kills the momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that there's not funny parts in it. It just seems really out of place, yeah. and where everything comes to head during the donkey show, it just seems like oh, we need to get all this stuff in yeah uh, and then they come back with the jail scene and you're like oh this is what this movie needs to be yep i guess we had to have a donkey show to get here right <laughs> but i, I mean <laughs> how else are you gonna go to jail best, <laughs> best sentence ever i guess we needed a donkey show to get here i mean because the, even the stuff where they're doing uh abc 
you know, with from the Jackson Five, I love. Oh, musical so number. good, yeah, because um, she's so pretty. That and I, I still think uh, Jay's best line in any movie is. Do you want to fuck me? No, is where he's talking about. Man, I always want to do shit with my life. You know, like be an astronaut, find a in life form, and fuck, fuck it. <laughs> and then people go, there it goes. Oh boy, fucked an alien once. <laughs> it's just because it, I don't know. It's just I think it's his best moments. It's yeah, he's really good because it's good. I, I, I that's we my saw only complaint. Bob walking down to the boardwalk, we're cruising in our car. Fucking Middletown cop pulls us over for suspicion of mischief. What were you guys being pulled over for? We're driving around with a deployed airbag. <laughs> <laughs> See, that stuff is what I love, and like I said, the only reason it did not make my top ten is because the Donkey Show kills the momentum. I agree. And I, but other than that, I do, I do, I do really like the film. Mm-hmm. It, that that scene feels like him digging down to to get some some dirt into the film because mm-hmm. he's like, oh no, I made a really earnest movie. I need. I need someone to fuck a dead body or like do something terrible that'll shock people. Yeah, and I mean, to me, if it, that donkey show wasn't in it, it'd be my second favorite Kevin Smith film. Because yeah. my my favorite is always going to be Chasing Amy. Yeah, uh, because I think it's his most honest film. But yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. It's a good choice, sir. Yeah, thank you, Brad. Number five. Uh, my number five uh, can go ten rounds and complainants for losers. This motherfucker. My number five is Rocky Balboa. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Who was the greatest? Who was the best of all time? If two athletes from different eras could actually compete against one another, who would come out on top? In one corner, the reigning champion at Mason the Line Dixon. He'll be pitted against the former two-time heavyweight champion, Rocky Balboa. Computer says Rocky Balboa would be triumphant. I think well, there's still some stuff in the basement. What basement? In here. I think I want to like fight. You know, nothing big, small stuff like locally. What are you trying to prove, Pop? I thought you might want to get involved. Don't you think you're too, you know, old? I think your brain's losing altitude. <laughs> You heard Rocky Balboa applied for a license. You want me to fight a guy that I can beat with both hands tied behind my back? That computer fight got a lot of people curious. Yeah, but I ain't interested in getting, like, mangled and embarrassed. People are going to think you're going crazy. What's crazy about standing toe-to-toe saying, I am? If this is something that you got to do, then you do it. Fighters, fight. To beat this guy, you need speed. You don't have it. You've got calcium deposits on most of your joints. So sparring is out. I had that problem. So what we'll be calling on is blunt force trauma. Heavy duty punches that will rattle his ancestors. Let's start building some hurting bombs. Yeah! Yeah! We playing with you! We playing with you! Cocky, the press is labeled you a Balboa Saurus. How do you feel about that? It's a fight! It's a fight! Head bust! Head bust! We gon' hit him with why is this billed as an exhibition? So they wouldn't have to call it an execution. It takes guts climbing back in that ring knowing you're going to take a beating. It's over. Nothing over until it's over. Where's that from? The 80s? It's probably in the 70s. I didn't put it on my list because I knew you were going to. <laughs> it was so close. I mean, it really was so close. In so much, just for that 
monologue that he gives in it because I think it's so amazing. Yeah, it's so good. That's and that's not you. Uh, yeah. So everyone was like, "Oh, what another Rocky movie?" But uh, and after all this time, and he's gonna fight some young dude. Like, this is stupid. Yeah. The premise is that uh, there's a uh, a modern fighter, um, and ESPN th- does this digital like, "What if the greats fought the new guys?" Yeah. And there's a computer simulation, and uh, I think in the simulation they project Rocky wins, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And so the the new guys promoters, you know, hey, you should totally do this for real. Because people hate you, and you need some goodwill, um, and you need to get back on top because uh, you beat everybody. You know, because beating, beating Rocky Balboa, who everybody loves, would really make people love you. Yeah. <laughs> but he's got this image of being like, well, yeah. even funny, like, great fighters, you're soft. You right. know, you got to fight exactly. someone who's actually tough. And who's the yes. toughest guy in Philadelphia? Rocky Balboa. Right. So, and Rocky, it's, it's got so much heart. Like, uh, <sighs> it was, I mean, I don't know if it was like, Tally Shire didn't want to come back, or like I don't know why they decided to go and kill. But it was a great move because yes. uh, um, those scenes where he's going around with Polly, like yeah. revisiting moments from the first movie. Oh, I, I I think it's got the most heart of any of them since the first. Like, oh, yeah. It is the most cohesive, really a sequel to Rocky. All the other ones are like the boxing movie sequels, right? Mm-hmm. But like this feels like Rocky. Yeah, especially the whole subplot with that with the woman that he meets that that he had helped when she was a little kid. Yeah, who's and actually then, the real kid from that movie? Right, yeah. and then and then like they just have this sort of storyline together that doesn't. It's a platonic story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. Yeah, it's definitely not a romantic story, but it's like um, she looks up to him like this father figure, and it's it doesn't necessarily have a payoff. It's just there because you want to spend time with Rocky, mm-hmm. which is what Rocky's about. It's like what the first Rocky's about. <laughs> um, it's one of the. It's maybe the most sequel to Rocky of any of the Rocky sequels, you know? It's a, mm-hmm. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah, and it's the standout is that speech, which at the time, like, I didn't really... The first time I watched it, like, it was great, but it didn't, like, resonate with me. And then mm-hmm. watching it so many times afterwards, it's like, it's not, probably the highlight of that movie is him yeah. giving that speech. And now people <laughs> meme it and misquote it uh, yeah. and don't even know where, where a lot of those lines came from, which is really sad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's yeah. great great film get knocked down keep moving forward the only downside is the cinematography in that final fight like they did a digital like almost satellite because i guess to save money they just kind of worked with the people who would normally broadcast a fight like that yeah so it has like this low quality uh like digital video texture to it instead of being cinematic like the rest of the movie yeah but still great stuff yeah I'll see Rocky movies as long as Stallone's alive. He <laughs> keeps making them. I might see Rocky movies even after he's alive or after he's dead. Now, man, just saying. And Polly too. Even like throughout the movies, he's, he's like this vile character, um, and then he even gets, gets like great moments in the movie to like break yeah. down and realize like how much he depends on. Um, you know, like everyone hates. Like a lot of people hate him, but yeah. Uh, with, um, I, I don't know what I'm trying well, to say. He get, he gets fired, and then not only is there this great scene where he has to break down and like admit what's really going on, but he has this wonderful moment where he admits to Rocky, like, "You don't get it. Like, you got to love Adrian. I was always terrible to her. Yeah. So like now that she's dead, I'm just permanently a piece of shit, and it's it's an amazing moment." In a movie about boxing. 
It's the most sequel to Rocky. It's so it's so good. Ah, that's a great film. Right. Um, my number five has tons of heart too. I. I don't know. Sometimes you just connect, and uh, my number five is Talladega Nights. <laughs> Guess how fast we're going now? I don't care. I'm having a baby. You just passed the hospital. Ricky Bobby was born. <laughs> Mama, I'm going fast. To become the fastest man alive. That's my boy, Ricky. Woo! Dear Lord, baby Jesus, I want to thank you for my family, my two beautiful sons. Walker and Texas Ranger, and of course my red-hot smoking wife, Carly. Woo! Mmm! Ow! You know, it might be cool sometime you could set me up for a win. You can't have two number ones. Yeah, you can. That makes 11. But no man stays on top. Absolutely, ma'am. I'd love to sign your baby. You're not going to want to wash that forehead. Forever. Well, the big news is that NASCAR has gone French. I am coming for you, Licky Booby. He's in the wall. Uh-oh. I'm flying through the air. This is not good. I'm on fire. I'm on fire. You're not on fire, Ricky Bobby. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jewish guy. Help me, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, use your witchcraft and get the fire on me. From the guys who brought you Anchorman and the 40-year-old virgin. The doctor told us you can walk. It's all in your head. I am so paralyzed. You want to see what my life is? Don't you stick that knife in your leg. Ferrell. Ricky Bobby is not a thinker. Give me a fastball, twisted line. What the hell's a fastball? Oh, no! oh, oh. Give me another. Ricky Bobby is a driver. Yeah, it's a real deal down there. Ricky Bobby wins it in reverse. What does that do? Did that blow your mind? That just happened. You don't drive with your eyes. You gotta feel the road. The story of a man who could only count to number one. Embarrassed. I really thought I could feel it. Talladega Nights, the ballad of Ricky Bobby. You gotta learn to drive with the fear. <laughs> oh my god! There ain't nothing more frightening than driving with a live cougar. Oh, Ricky, control your heart rate! I can't control my heart rate! I got a cougar on me! More so because I, I just have some movies you just have to have fun with, and Talladega Nights is definitely a movie you have fun. It's instantly quotable. Okay, um, first or last. Yeah. Uh, I watched it again recently, and I still laugh all the time in it. It's really good. Uh, this, the, there's a special feature on the Blu-ray where he just is feeding lines to those kids at the dinner table, and it's the funniest fucking thing in the world. <laughs> just feeding dirty, filthy things to kids for them to say and for them to repeat. Um, you know I laugh at a lot that I don't think a lot of people do is when um, Ricky Bobby's – I think it's his first race, and then uh, – how was his name? His friend. Kyle. I'm blanking on him. Uh, Carl. Fuck. Uh, Why can't it? Naughton something. I, I can't remember his name. Cal Naughton. Cal Naughton Jr. Yeah. I was trying to think of the actor's name. but Oh, John C. Riley. John C. Riley. He's like leaning into, into the car window and he's like delaying him from getting off the starting line. Yeah. And at some point he's just like, hey, remember the time in class when they called us stupid? Yeah, who's stupid now? Like, the, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I, the, it's just so stupid. You know, I always loved... Uh, come after you like a spider monkey chip <laughs> and uh it's just so stupid yeah. and 
the part where they're just mean to their grandfather for no reason at all. Right. And the movie's just dumb. I mean, when he gets, you know, he can't race anymore. He goes over to his house and Cal just marries his wife, takes his house. Right. And it doesn't make any sense why he gets that stuff. His children start calling him father. Yeah. And then he calls him on the phone, uh, Cal calls Ricky and he says, hey, man, how do, how do you listen to the stereo and the TV at the same time? Why would you want to listen to them at the same time? Because I like to party. It's <laughs> <laughs> dumb. And, but sometimes dumb movies just are awesome. And yeah. that's why it's one of my favorites. Favorite moment in that movie has to be when they're trying to pry out a knife with another knife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you stick that in your leg, Ricky Bobby. Use this other knife. Use this other knife. It won't come in. It's making it worse. <laughs> Yep. Ah, that's a good one. Uh, oh, uh, my... And my wife likes that movie, and it's dumb. Yeah. I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, did Ryan tell you he called the old lady at the grocery store a dusty old fart? A <laughs> uh, dusty old mummy fart? <laughs> I, I, yes, I have heard that story. Uh, business, uh, you dusty old mummy fart. <laughs> <laughs> yep, so oh, some old lady. I'm going to throw you a off the bridge, Chip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Cool. I forgot about that line. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she clearly knows every line of dialogue better than you do. My uh, wife, who hates stupid things, right. loves... MacGruber, really not movie. funny. Talladega Nights, funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Talladega Nights is really funny. <laughs> yeah, it is. Cool. Uh, my number five is, is also a repeat, uh, because my number five is Pan's Labyrinth. You son of a bitch. Nice. Yeah. So, son of a bitch, what's your number four? My number four was a repeat. It's Hollywoodland. Oh, wow. Yeah. What? I didn't think I, that was going to show up twice. I need to go see this movie again. <laughs> Holy the shit. The return of Affleck, guys. Was that was kind of oh. where he made the turning That's point. That's his comeback. That is fair. Okay. Did he do Gone Baby Gone right after that? I think the so. The year after it. Yeah. Yeah, 2007. Um, gosh, it's, it's, it's another Hail Caesar situation where it says, hey, Let's make a movie for this obscure, weird kid in Colorado who just <laughs> loves old-timey shit. <laughs> um, I love Adrian Brody in the movie, too. Uh, yeah. Bob Hoskins, the late, great Bob Hoskins, right. is in the movie, oh, too. Man. He's really good as Eddie Mannix. Uh, the real Eddie Mannix, not the Eddie Mannix in Hail Caesar. Right. Um, clarify. Um, uh, also, some really great imagery. Um, I like how it's kind of a... Uh, there's a fog to the to the film a little bit like mm-hmm. and it, it's it's the same situation with flags of our fathers this year where it's kind of desaturated a little bit it almost feels like they kind of like were trying to go for black and white but they couldn't quite get there so they thought they'd compromise with a little bit of color or just fill the air with smoke yeah just dirty the, it's the, very the dirty yeah yeah it, and and it just looks beautiful there's uh my favorite scene is when he's trying to uh talk down the kid uh, who has the real gun pointed at him. Uh, When he's dressed up as Superman, he goes to uh, entertain at a children's fair, and um, this kid comes up to him and says, if I shoot you with this gun, will you really really, really bounce off your chest? And he says it's a real gun, and he cocks it, and fucking Ben Affleck has to talk this kid into not shooting a gun regardless of what it might, might or might not do. Yeah, you know, so it's just a very powerful scene. Uh, so yeah, and it was just one of those uh, great endings uh, with uh, trying to figure out like 
what what's the real what's the real mystery here? Is this Hollywood lore or is this just a case of an actor gone depressed? Right. So, you know, I love it. I can't get enough of it. Cool. And it and it, it Ben Affleck was Superman and Batman, guys. And Daredevil. Put that out there. And Daredevil. And Daredevil. And, Daredevil. Yeah. and that dude from Pearl Harbor. <laughs> <laughs> he can play multiple people. And He's Jack the Ryan. most amazing actor ever. And Jack Shut Ryan, up. too. Oh. <laughs> yep. How many superheroes has Matthew McConaughey played? Uh, he's, I, none of them. Um, uh, yeah, the guy from Failure to Launch? Launch. That should be your number one movie <laughs> this year, right? <laughs> Why did we both say Failure Launch? Because it came out in 2006. I didn't even know that. You I didn't? did not know that. I guess I should have. It came out when I was a blockbuster, so yeah. Anyway. Oh, it's funny. Good. Good, good pick. Yep. <laughs> Brad, right. you're number four. Yeah, my number four is totally stupid. It's jackass number two. <laughs> <laughs> Your list is dumbfounding. <laughs> when it was released in 2002, people were outraged. A new low. A plunge into depravity. A sad commentary on our degenerating culture. A disgusting, repulsive, grotesque spectacle. Unfortunately for them, we just made number two. ashamed of myself. <laughs> I really am. I'm completely ashamed of myself. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to say about it. It's totally stupid. <laughs> but, you know, I remember laughing really hard seeing those movies in theater. Oh, yeah. It almost yeah. made me, like, I, I got a little sick at a couple times. I think the... Anyway... I don't want to talk about it, but yeah, that movie was really did funny and super great. Yeah, we totally saw that movie together, Laura. Yeah, yeah thanks. Yeah, we did. Yep, uh-huh. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember a damn thing about it, though. Ah, yeah. I didn't add that one to my list for emotional reasons. Is that the one where they poop reasons. on the, like, set? It's the it's one no, where... that's Jackass 3D. Is it 3D? Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. It is the one where they drink horse semen. Sorry, Mom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. And that's probably the part, I think, where I was the most grossed out. Because most of the stuff is, like, funny. Like, hey, let's do dumb shit where we're going to break our all of our body and have to just pee into a catheter the rest of our lives. No way, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but every now and then they'll just be like, hey, who wants to drink something disgusting? You're like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. That movie's hilarious. It's it's I can pull it off the shelf and, and just be entertained like every time. <laughs> right. And I remember uh at, at the time thinking like, oh it's 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 a sequel to like the first one was okay. Uh it's probably not gonna be that great and having way more fun with it like mm-hmm. the second time around because they really just went above and beyond, like yeah. come up with new gags and after three of them I can't remember which ones have which gags, but uh I just remember number two being like awesome. They really up the ante on this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah they were broke, and then they did even, even like in the third one. I didn't think they, there was anywhere else to go with it for the third one. And they did, yeah. So, yeah. 
Well, uh, there were other dimensions to go yes. with the third one. Which so. is brilliant. Like, <laughs> yeah. Why would you not do this in 3D? <laughs> and with I heard a dildo coming at you in 3D. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Um, and I, I read the IMD. There's an IMDb for Jackass 4, which I don't think is real. But um, Those human beings aren't alive enough <laughs> to do that again. One of them isn't alive, period. Well, right, yes. One and of the them subtitle, is literally dead. Oh, well, shoot. the subtitle is, we're not done yet. No, <laughs> no, that's terrible. Uh, yeah. So the premise, what I, I think, if this is true, uh, the premise they wrote was uh, Jeff Tremaine, the director, yeah. has cancer, and they have to like do something to get him treatment or, or something. So, sure. Yeah, it's pretty dark. <laughs> <sighs> Baby, won't surprise me. Yeah, if that was true. At a certain point, maybe you just look at it and go like, well, how can I really fuck myself up any more than I already have? Why not? They're all like sober fathers now. Like, yes, yeah. they are all they sober. Are, except for Steve, though. They were on coke. Like, yeah. <laughs> and they're super <laughs> sore. <laughs> right. And the, the, yeah, and some of them don't have like working organs. Yeah. Shit. You just yeah. drink more and you don't feel it is how that works. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Good one. Your number four, Ryan. Uh, my number four is this man just became like a big director. In 2012, he released a movie called Guardians of the Galaxy. Wow. In 2006, he released a movie called Slither. Shit. When you marry someone, you promise to love them forever. Baby. No matter how much. They might change. Brian? Baby, what happened to your face? It's just a bee sting. From Universal Pictures. Great, is sick or something? Comes a film so shocking. Uh, we got a real problem here. So disgusting. Don't let him in your mouth! It will change the face of horror. Marriage is a sacred bond, for better or worse. Much worse. <laughs> Chick is hard. Go on. Something's wrong with me. Slither. James Gunn made Slither in 2006 that has Nathan Fillion, Elizabeth Banks, Michael Rooker. Um, It's a crazy, it's basically a zombie movie with slugs from outer space that is a lot like Night of the Creeps. And it's also played super zany. What makes it cooler is Nathan Fillion's in it, and he's awesome. And the movie's like all James Gunn movies where it's pretty batshit crazy. Even I was tempted to put this on my list just because I just because of James Gunn and Nathan Fillion. Um, yeah, it's it's fun, and it, if I have, I I always have a soft spot, obviously, for zombie stuff. But it's just a fun movie. Yeah, basically, like a mind controlling slug moves into a small town and breeds, and then yep. that one girl turns into a giant barn slug. Yep. Yep. I mean, there's no hand Super of God good. touching anyone on the brain, but Holy it's still shit. James Gunn. Uh, yeah. Man. Uh, and, you know, 
watching it though, you could see he has tons of talent, mm-hmm. and he has a knack for taking goofy characters and making them really relatable. And that's probably why Guardians works so well. It was and, a, it was a super solid first movie that yeah. again. I heard a lot about, which is why I eventually saw it. Because people were like, well, it's actually really funny. You should check it out. Um, but, yeah. wow, why It's one I of the movies that I, Scream Factory needs to make a Blu-ray out of. Oh, totally. It's not even on Blu-ray. Yeah. I, that's got to be coming. That's, that sounds I mean, like, a, like a, you know. It's one I always hold out for. And every time they say, oh, we have a big announcement, I keep my fingers crossed that's going to be Slither. But well, maybe they're so listening. Far, I've not been so lucky. Ah, wow. I was hoping, too, because James Gunn's kind of big now with Guardians. Yeah. And uh, so maybe. I, I know Scream Factory just got some Universal pictures, so I'm hoping that Slither will be one of them. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really love Slither. Uh, I love the tone of the film. Uh, I, of course, I'm a sucker for comedies with horror elements. Um, and anytime you get Michael Rooker being crazy and um, out of control is definitely worth it. <sighs> yeah. That's yeah. a good one. Slither. Uh, cool. Uh, my number four? Mm-hmm. Uh, my number four is another repeat because it's Rocky Balboa, uh, which I will say was one higher on my list earlier, uh, and I decided I was going to move it down because after seeing Creed, I realized that Rocky Balboa isn't actually the best like finale to that right like that movie was written to sort of be this farewell to that character and then after seeing creed i was like oh wait like actually it it does a number of things that i don't love to that character um that creed repairs uh about forcing him to like actually that movie forces him to face something he doesn't want to fight uh, and then teaches him again, like, hey, no, no, I, I have to keep fighting. Right? Like, a lot of what, what he tells his son, you know, like, he doesn't actually struggle with that himself in the movie. Um, but, uh, but only knocks it down one. Um, and all the movies above it are better. Uh, but a fantastic film that I think at the time I would have even told you was, was maybe my favorite. I, I really adored it. So, um, yeah, Rocky Balboa, number four. Zach, you're number three. My number three is another foreign language film, um, and uh, it's honestly one of the most brutal war films I've ever seen. My number three is Letters from Iwo Jima. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight's guest of honor is from the Empire of Japan. How would you feel if America and Japan were to enter war? The United States is the last country in the world Japan should fight.本日付で私は自分の兵が待つ認知へと向かう。国のため忠義を尽くし、この命を捧げようと決意している。おめでとうございます。召集令状です。ありがとうございます。お国のため精一杯ご奉公してまいります。もはやこの島孤立したも当然
我々の子供らが日本で一日でも長く安泰に暮らせるなら我々がこの島を守る一日には意味があるんです花子この手紙が届くことはないだろうでもお前と赤ん坊のことだけが気がかりだ オクラホマ、ウェルフロム。ここでやる軍人として、自決すべきだ。ここでこのまま死ぬのと、生きて戦い続けることと。戦局最後の関東に直面せり。残ってるのはライフルだけです。今や弾丸付き水枯れ。と
Very cool. Yeah. Like, oh. My number three is a repeat. It's Casino Royale. Yeah, it's badass. So. <laughs> <laughs> We've already talked about why. Um, yeah. Uh, I w- after Die Another Day, I didn't expect much. And then growing up, my friend Adam was a big James Bond fan. Yeah. And, and when I started watching James Bond movies with him, the first one we saw was there was The World's Not Enough. And then Die Another Day. And I was like, are you sure you like these movies? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what the big deal is. And then Casino Royale was like, oh, okay, yeah, this character's awesome. Right. Yeah. That movie is amazing. Uh, number three, right? Yeah. My number three is also repeat. It stars one Tom Cruise as Humpty Dumpty. Mission <laughs> 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 Impossible 3. I mean, we've already talked about it. It's badass. Yeah. Um, is yeah. it your third slot because three? No, actually, <laughs> it's weird how that works out sometimes. You know, you don't even you just list the movies how you like them, and it just turned out that way. Um, yeah, second favorite Mission Impossible. Uh, yeah, mine goes. I think mine goes Rogue Nation, yeah. then three, then um, I mean uh, Ghost Protocol, then three, three, then Rogue Nation, yeah, Ma- then one and two. Maybe the best Mission Impossible score. Maybe I might make that argument. I mean, I, like I said, I still love the opening, and when it's really just a close-up of Tom Cruise acting. Yeah, and it's great. Yeah, and then his wife gets shot. Yeah, what? What's going to happen next? I don't know. But oh, we have to go back in time. How do we get here? How do we get here? Oh, JJ's going to show let's us. Let's just let's just reenact all of that movie in, with this dumb tone. Uh, yep. Oh, he's married now. <laughs> oh man, Greg Grunberg. How did he get back into the game? <laughs> Did he oh, go to a convenience store? Oh, he, tra- he trains me. Yeah, Greg Greenberg's at oh, yeah. the party at the beginning. I always I know. know where Greg Greenberg's at, man. Uh, yeah, anyway. Um, yep. Yeah, cool. Good choice. Well, my number three is not a repeat. Uh, in fact, my number three is probably not on anyone's list or, or on anyone else's list. Uh, my number three is a movie that when I first saw it, I was like, okay, this is cool. And then I've probably spent the last 10 years kind of studying this film and learning a lot about it and deciphering a lot of the illusions and imagery and Pixar's what it's actually doing. Uh, yes, right. It is. Uh, no, my number three is The Fountain. A special tree sprouts there. They say whoever drinks of its sap
So you're the one that saw yeah. it. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So I will highly recommend that you go back and rewatch this movie because I think it's actually brilliant. Um, if you want some like short videos on the, explaining to you why this movie is genuinely brilliant, I can find them for you. Uh, the movie is my favorite Darren Aronofsky film. Um, it is a, it's, it's a series of stories that are, the, the first time you watch it, you think that they're just telling you three different stories um, that, are, that are thematically similar and, and that are uh, Hugh Jackman and, and uh, Rachel Weisz playing different characters in each story. Uh, what it actually is, is it's actually a story about um, a man who's a doctor. His wife has, uh, I believe it's cancer. Um, it's some you know, terrible terminal disease. Uh, and he, the, they're trying to figure out how to cure it. He's hoping and he's, he feels like he's close. He wants to cure it before she dies, um, obviously, so that she doesn't die. Um, the whole while she is writing this, what, what's really happening in the movie is she is writing this book. And the book that she's writing is this story about this, um, this uh, Spanish sailor whose queen sends him to the New World to find the Fountain of Youth for her. Um, she event- he fails, and he then picks up her story and tells a completely separate story about this guy who is in the future and he's in this weird spaceship uh that is just a bubble around a tree um and he is going out into space to uh and and you know having all of these conversations with himself about like uh about the meaning of life and and how he's going to go find this person that he loves um and and fix this tree that symbolizes this woman that he loves um and what it's really about is it she is writing a story for him about coming to terms with the fact that life comes to an end and that she is going to die and that he has to find the beauty in, in her death and, and his own mortality and move on from that. And his story that takes up after that, but they're all told at the same time, um, is really about his complete inability to do so and how is he going to solve this unsolvable problem. Um, I think the performances are fantastic. I think the imagery in this movie is is beautiful. The shots of space and space travel are these. Um, the, he didn't have any budget on this movie, so instead of actually going and getting like CG space stuff, um, he got footage of like super zoomed in uh, different like microbes and stuff like that, um, or, or or like different chemicals or whatever that when you zoomed in just created these amazing colors. Um, and I, I, the movie is just becomes beautiful because of that uh and the score is fantastic uh it's definitely a weird little artsy movie um really i didn't get that from how you explained it right i know um can you say pretentious uh i can but this movie is this movie is super super solid and there's a lot of of rich stuff to find in this movie if you take the time to dig through it this is um, this is me watching uh, the the fountain. You guys can't see this, but I'm asleep. Uh, no, I know. That's what I did when you, I watched you it. Don't have <laughs> um, and here's the thing: the first time Ten I watched it, the first time I watched it, I was like that. First time I watched it, I was like, "This is this is dumb." Like I don't know. Yeah, I get like this imagery here or whatever. But as I have rewatched that movie and read a lot about it, because there was something about it that stuck in my craw, um, I've started to decipher some of what's going on in there. And sure, some of it may not. F- may not be on the surface as much as it could be but as a 
really solid, good piece of art. I, I think that Darren Aronofsky did something really special with that movie that that he hasn't actually lived up to since. Um, so for me, it's my number three film of that year. So getting close to the end, Zach. I know. So what's your number two, man? No one gives you a number two. You have to take it. My number two is The Departed. When I was your age, they would say we could become cops or criminals. What I'm saying is this. When you're facing a loaded gun, what's the difference? This is not the regular police. This is the state police. We are an elite unit. This is who we're after. Frank Costello. You won't be paid as a regular cop, but there's a bonus involved. So what do I do? You will not ever know the identity of undercover people. Do you have anyone in with Costello presently? Maybe. Do you know who I am? Maybe not. When I had my associates search you. That was quick. Think he's dead already? Get your hands off me! I think we could work something out. We are all convinced that Costello has at least one mole inside the Special Investigations Unit. There are parts of my job I can't talk to you about. Man, you are trouble. You don't know the half of it. You better get organized, quick. Hey, last time I checked, I tipped you off and you're not in jail. Getting the feeling we got a cop in my crew. Sooner or later, he's gonna find out who I am and he's gonna kill me. I can get the rat. You just gotta let me do it my way. If you don't, it won't be me who pays for it. There is a leak from the inside. It's real, man. Smoke him out. You're lying to me. There are things you don't want to know about. What are you waiting for, honestly? I mean, do you want him to chop me up and feed me to the poor? Is that what you guys want? How's your mother? She's on her way out. You all are. Act according. I mean, it's Scorsese. What else? Can I... <laughs> <laughs> I know you're not. A... I know you're not a fan of me, James. <laughs> I swear. I swear to God. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, uh you know, uh, part of this also stems from a memory of seeing it with my father, and my father and I just love the fuck out of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it was um one of the first gangster movies I saw in a theater that was actually violent and <laughs> mm-hmm. wasn't just a cop out for anything like that you know but yeah um and uh i love the performances in this film i love leo in the movie i love jack nicholson in this film um matt damon is also really good in the film alec baldwin's hysterical in the film marky mark is good marky mark is amazing in this movie um almost to the point oh what was his what's his line about uh um uh uh families are falling and rising in America, am I right, sir? Who said that? Hawthorne. What's the matter, smart ass? Don't you know any fucking Shakespeare? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, uh, yes, 
a lot of the twists and turns are very, very convoluted and very, very predictable. Um, and the imagery is very spot on, especially at the very end with a rat literally walking across the screen, um, which that taught me about the uh, the power of irony. Yeah. But um, uh, I can't help but dig it. And it's a it's a repeat watch for me. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Number two was The Departed. It's a good movie. Good movie indeed. It's another one of my very first Blu-rays. Nice. Mm-hmm. The Departed. And it's also the only film ever made to properly tell you what how bad James Whitey Bulger was. Because <laughs> hmm. there was another one made that may or may not have been re-evaluated uh, by yours truly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the movie's bad. Not The Departed, but Black Mass is bad. Uh, yeah. Cool. I was trying to remember the title of that. Because I only saw half of it at the drive-in. <laughs> it's like, was it called Whitey? <laughs> no, Black Mass. Okay, yeah. Oh, shit, I wish they called it Whitey. <laughs> hey, anybody remember uh, the Adam Sandler character, Whitey, from Eight Crazy Nights, the little old man? Yeah. That's the technical foul. Uh, nominated for Best Performance this year is Whitey. <laughs> And yeah. the Oscar goes to Whitey. The Oscar goes to Whitey. Oh, <laughs> the Oscars oh, are so Whitey. <laughs> oh, that needed to be said out loud. Oh, <laughs> shit. Awesome. Yeah, cool. So my number two and my number one were really tough to decide which one should go uh-huh. in place the other. Um, and in the end, it doesn't really matter because it's a repeat. Um, but because it's labeled two, I'm going to make it my number two. It's Clerks 2. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Wow, nicely done. And uh, yeah, the the donkey show does feel like it's something in there just to be more subversive than uh, yeah. Uh, it, he didn't have enough shocking stuff, so it's like what yeah. What, what can I do? Oh, uh, bestiality. Yeah, that, no one's that done that yet. Right. Uh, but <laughs> Nobody's done that yet. The rest of the movie just has so much heart and like yeah. uh, just kind of feeling like uh, I, mean, I wasn't their age yet in the movie, mm-hmm. but now I am. And it's just like, right. it's so heartbreaking to, <laughs> you know, also being stuck in a convenience store or, or yeah. yeah, no, uh, uh, just, I, I like where he took those characters and, uh, made them grow. And yeah, that jail scene is fantastic. Having Randall like break down and, yeah. um, for the record, not on my list at all because he makes fun of the Lord of the Rings. Fuck that guy. <laughs> No, Pretty spot right. on, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> here's the first movie. I was telling people that, and then and he made the movie. The I was like, movie. finally, someone said it. <laughs> uh, you ready for all, the third one? You're all, <laughs> you're yeah. All. <laughs> I, I, do, I do like Lord of the Rings, though. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> yeah. That's a cool movie. Yeah. It's really good. Love it. I yeah. put it in just... It's it's so much more mature than the first Clerks. Yeah, um, absolutely. Which is fine. It's, it's fun. It, it should be the first Clerks was made for two hundred thousand dollars by a dude who didn't know how to make a movie. Yeah, um, I remember yeah. going like uh, it, it was like a matinee and like only I think the Century Sixteen in Belmar had it, mm. um, and I went there expecting to watch you know a colored version of the original Clerks. And I kind of left going, like, what was that? Yeah. Like, that wasn't funny. And then as, <laughs> as you know, I got older and uh, realized how mature it was actually being, right. uh, I, f- I figured it out. It, so Yeah. Because he wasn't making, he was making a movie for people who loved Clerks and related to Clerks when Clerks came out. 
who had evolved by 15, 10, 15 years, right? Like they, they had grown up and similarly the story had to grow up with them. So I can't wait to see where clerks three goes. Yeah, absolutely. If he ever makes it. Yeah. Uh, my number two is a repeat as well. My number two is the prestige. Ah, man, it's really good. Yep. Cool. I like magic when it's done well. Not like now you can see me or now you see me or whatever the fuck it's called. Now you can see me. Uh, it sounded like so horsemen. simple. Much I like title. magic when it's done well. <laughs> yeah, this was the year with a lot of magic because uh, the Illusionist came out this year as well. Not as good, but I thought it was solid. Yeah. Um, no, I, like I said, I, I I love Christian Bell in it. Yeah. Uh, I love Michael Caine. I you know I I just, I think there's just solid performances throughout. It's shot really well. Yeah. Uh, the scene outside, you know, with Bowie and stuff, and all the lights going, I think is just great. Oh yeah. Uh, it's a gorgeous movie. Yeah, Chris Nolan knows how to tell stories through lenses very well. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. That's why I love The Prestige. Well, my number two is not a repeat, again. Um, my number two... So my, my one and my two fought a long time. Um, this was one of the harder top two... Uh, of the retro film explosions, this is one of the harder top two to go with. And so my number two was... My gut instinct made me put this at number one, and then there was a lot of back and forth that I will explain when we get to number one, but because uh, I, I love this movie. Um, and at the time, this movie really shook me in some cool ways um, and, and was a movie that made me want to watch a lot more science fiction that was a lot more grounded and, and was really Oh my smart. God, James, just fucking get to it. <laughs> so my number two is Children of Men. I can't really remember when I last had any hope. And I certainly can't remember when anyone else did either. Because really, since women stopped being able to have babies, what's left to hope for? The world was stunned today by the death of Diego Ricardo, the youngest person on the planet. The youngest person on Earth was 18 years, 4 months, 20 days, 16 hours and 8 minutes old. The ultimate mystery, why are women infertile? Some say it's genetic experiments, pollution. Why do you think we can't make babies anymore? Doesn't matter. It's all over in 50 years. It's too late. Move along! Move along! Hello, Theo. Have you been? I'm sorry about the theatrics. Police have been a pain lately. I haven't seen you for nearly 20 years. I need your help. Not for me, a girl. I need to get her to the coast, past security checkpoints. It's hard for me to look at you. He had your eyes. So why did you come to me? I trust you. Show him. Now you know what's at stake. We have to meet the boat. What is this boat? The human project of Centre Boat. The human project? Yes, the greatest minds in the world working for a new society. Your baby is the miracle the whole world has been waiting for. We will find a way to get you to the human project, I promise you.
We're almost there, Keith. We're almost there. It's like the longest running joke in real nerds history. We keep on bringing it up to Brad that he's going to put it on his top ten list every year. Look, it's year. your number two. I know. It's my number Asshole. two. Hey, at least I put it in the year it came fucking out. Actually, I didn't put it on anything. I know you, I know you <laughs> did. I used it as an example because the, the way this whole thing started was you put doubt on your list for 2009 when that movie came out in 2008. And I was like, okay, great. Well, then my number one is Children of Men, which clearly hadn't come out that year. And that's that's how the whole thing started. But I saw it out in 2009, so fuck yourself. Uh, yeah, except that, that movie was released in like November of 2008, so you're completely wrong. Doesn't matter. Our experience uh, no, it in 2009. T- totally, do- totally does matter. Uh, why do you like uh, Children of Men, James? Because it's amazing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so the the experience... That, that is a movie that creates a... Let me ask a- you something. When did you watch Devil Wars Prada? Did you watch it in 2006? No, you watched it in 2016. No, but, but, I, but, I, but it is from <laughs> 2006, and if we're doing the best films of 2006, uh, it becomes one of those movies. Um, and I would challenge you that most likely not every movie you saw on your list you saw in 2006. Um, I actually did. Well, Sorry. you didn't have a life then. <laughs> anyway. We, hey, um, you know what? Me and Brad did not have a life. <laughs> uh, so joke's on you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great. I, did I lose this argument? I don't even know. Yeah. Um, so there's a number of things about Children of Men that put it on, on the top of my list. For one, uh, I, I think it does such an amazing job of creating a world and telling the story through that world building um, so that rather than, than feeling like this sort of A to B to C plot line, um, you're experiencing it through these little pieces of, of seeing the culture and the tone and meeting these little people and not necessarily knowing entirely what's going on, um, but getting this sense of, of, of this universe you're going to live in. Um, I think that world building alone makes this movie really special as a science fiction film. Um, but above that, I, the, the long shots, the way that this movie is put together, the cin- cinematography in this movie is amazing and blew me away um this was one of the first times that i remember leaving a theater and feeling like and i've used this metaphor a lot um feeling like somebody had beat me up with a television like you just have this like feeling in your chest where you're just like man that was that was exhausting um to watch that movie and it, it it's it's both emotionally exhausting and then you also have that that long action scene at the end that is at times is a single shot and at times just feels like a single shot uh that is really visually amazing um and i think it's a it's a very it it actually follows a lot of uh of uh of normal science fiction tropes of like well okay we a thing goes wrong and we have to go on an adventure because we have to find this magical place somewhere where everything is okay. Um, that has been done before, for sure. Uh, but I think the way that, that, that this script specifically does it um, is really interesting and, 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 uh, and different. Um, I, I remember just being blown away by the, by the van chase and watching those the like giant balls of fire rolling down towards this van that I've been living in for you know the last three minutes or whatever that I, and I stay inside of this van through this whole action scene. Um, and just how amazing that was. And then of course I spent six months afterwards, like researching and watching every interview and everything that I could find to learn, like, how did they do this? And how did they do that? Cause the, the movie was so dense. 
uh, yeah, I I adore this movie. It is still one that I I return to relatively frequently. So, uh, yeah, I really wanted to put this at my number one, and then I didn't. So, that's my number two. Uh, my number one is a film that I don't think anybody i didn't know i knew for a fact no one was going to put this on their list um but it's the final film from robert altman my number one film is a prairie home companion hello everybody on a saturday night welcome to a live broadcast of a prairie home companion a prairie home companion it was a live radio variety show the kind that died 50 years ago but somebody forgot to tell them until this night Poem. What's it about? Suicide. Oh. Big corporation down in Texas had bought up the radio station. Well, this isn't really going to be your last show, is it? Every show's your last show. That's my philosophy. Thank you, Plato. It was curtains, and everybody knew it. A lot of good people up there. These folks put their lives into this. Now they can put their lives into something else. You're going to say something about it. How about just a moment of silence? Silence on the radio. I don't know how that works. down upon that old Mississippi Hey, Lola. Hi. Heard you're going to sing a song for us. I only know my own songs. Well, sing one of them, then. They're mostly about death. Oh. She shot the bastard in the heart and ruined his nice suit. I used to listen to this show every week. Well, it was great in its time, but the time's up. Life moves on. Bad jokes, Lord, I love you. About that obscene song you sang last week. I'll give you my moonshine if you show me your jug. Bad jokes for me. Just a happy ending. Happy ending. We come from people who brought us up to believe that life is a struggle. And if you should ever feel really happy, be patient. This will pass. might think about cutting down on the uh, desserts and uh, also possibly sex with men. Wow. I I did not expect anyone. I'm so glad you picked this. This is a film that is very dear to me because of one very simple thing. What is it about, children? Lindsay Lohan. No, it is not. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> this movie's about radio. And uh, specifically about a radio show that is about to do its final broadcast before the theater that they broadcast in is demolished and turned into a parking structure. Um, it's done by Garrison Keillor, the guy who, up until recently, was the host of A Prairie Home Companion on NPR every uh, Saturday and Sunday uh, at 5.30. I was a loyal listener. Um, seeing some of the characters come to life, like Guy Noir, and um, seeing some of the bits um, performed live, because I, unfortunately, I'm in a place now where I can't, I, I will never get to experience a Prairie Home Companion live, because right. uh, Garrison has unfortunately stopped doing the show as of this year. Yeah. So, um, well, they, yeah. Yeah. The, the but, new one will be in town in about a month. But that, yeah. that, that, that's possible. Yeah. But, um, 
there's there's some great performances all around, even by Lindsay Lohan. I have to I have to concede. I agree. I said it as a joke, but I think she's solid in this. <laughs> she's movie. She's very solid in this movie. Um, Meryl Streep's really good in the movie. Mm-hmm. Lily Tomlin's excellent in the film. Oh, Woody right. Harrelson and John C. Riley are funny as fuck in this movie. Especially they have one of my favorite songs in the movie, which is "Bad Jokes." Um, Garrison himself, not necessarily an actor, but he holds his own. As the character that he needs to portray, yeah. Um, Kevin Klein is fucking hilarious in this movie as Guy Noir. Um, my my favorite line is he goes up to Maya Rudolph's character who's pregnant and says, "You might want to cut down on the sweets and also possibly the sex with men." <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and uh, there's um, and Tommy Lee Jones is good as the Axe Man, and he provides the counterpoint of like the future. Yeah, and really, like, actually, like, says a lot of these things, and I'm like, this is just what I assume everybody thinks of old time radio. Every time I talk about it, they're just like, yeah, Zach's talking about ancient stones in the ground. Oh, that- Twombly again! <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> um. So anyway, that was my number one. Was a Prairie Home Companion. That ah, you just blew me away. That's yeah. cool. Deep cut. Yeah. I was not expecting that. And I, also Robert Altman's final film. Robert Altman, yep. great director of MASH and Nashville and Gosford Park. Yep. And uh, Shortcuts. And Shortcuts, yes. Yeah. Oh, um, sorry. I, I, I call it Shortcuts, a.k.a. Firebush. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll let that one slow burn there for a second. Yeah. Yep. You just yeah. had to let it sizzle a yep. little bit and like, let it go. <laughs> um, yeah, I... Uh, this this kept popping up like in my honorable mentions, and I was like, man, like I remember that being really good, and I haven't watched it in a long time, and uh, so yeah, I'm I'm really glad, glad you got to bring that one up. As far as I know, it's not on Blu-ray, which really sucks. No, but yeah. I've I, I've never seen it. Yeah, cool, Brad. Your number one. My number one is another repeat. <laughs> it's the Prestige. I know. So. I I, I, I knew I that one. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. It's a great movie. It uh, is. I'm glad it made it on three lists. Yeah. Um, it's uh, like its own little magic trick in itself. Yes. It's, it's incredible, a, and you should watch it. Fantastic script. Yeah. Um, and I, I, the, I did not see Christian Bale's second character until the end. I was like, the makeup's not even that good, and I can't believe I didn't recognize him. So. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. It's really good. There's a. I mean, it's good. It's just like, right. The character is once it once yeah. it bri- like, it's one of those things where it's like uh, it's like a it's like a Joan Doolittle painting or something. Well, no, that's her. She's terrible. Dev Doolittle. Dev, yeah, it's yeah. actually a terrible metaphor because she's bad. But it's one of those things where once you realize that like like once you've seen it, then when you go back, you can't not see Christian Bale there. Yeah, you know. Um, well, I think that makes a movie even more successful is because yes. it's one of those movies where. Sometimes when you see a movie and the twist ending, like, I don't need to see this again because it kind of takes away the rest of the movie, but I can watch The Prestige over and over again, right. and it's still a great film. Right, because it's not, the, the, the twist isn't the reason for the film. Exactly. Right? It's, always it's, been it's been, not an M. Night Shyamalan film. Right, so. I, was, I was just going to say, it's always been my argument against The Sixth Sense, where once you've seen The Sixth Sense once and you know the secret, it's less interesting the second time, I think. I think so, too, and I think that's why like, Unbreakable works so well, because right. even though you know the twist... If yeah. you just look at the movie a different way, it's the same thing with the prestige. If you look at the film just differently, yeah, and it doesn't take away from the impact of it at all, right? Because those 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 later movies become about characters, mm-hmm. and the scenes aren't written. The scenes are written so that they 
work with the twist, not against the twist, mm-hmm. or in, ser- in completely in service of the twist. Um, they they simply exist, and then once you know, you go back and you're like, oh man, like there's all this depth to that character that I just couldn't access before. Yeah. So knowing the twist unlocks a bunch of stuff, and the mm-hmm. the, the prestige does it br- brilliantly. Yeah. yeah, and it's also a really dark spy versus spy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's very true. Very yeah. dark and twisted. <laughs> yeah, spy versus spy. <laughs> right. Uh, my number one film is if I had to pick an, a director perfectly paired with a film, I think it'd be this one. Um, the subject matter isn't the easiest to watch, but I still think it's maybe the, one of the most powerful films I've ever seen. Uh, my number one film is United ninety three. We are going to go over to Chris and talk about the forecast, which is a very good one. Yeah, actually, uh, conducive to just heading out and enjoying a day. Hey, this is Sandy in the back. Can you call ground and see if we can get some more pillows and blankets? The white zone is for immediate... The meeting last night was great. I'm sure he's thrilled. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin boarding. For all of our first-class passengers, please make their way over to gate 17. Morning, sir. He's dismayed. 4D. Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, it's like we've run into a little bit of rush hour traffic this morning. Unfortunately, it's going to be about a 30-minute delay. I appreciate your patience. We're currently number one for departure. Flight attendants, prepare for takeoff, please. I'd like to be home with my babies. United 93, runway four left, clear for takeoff. Roger that. CNN's reporting that light civil aircraft has just hit the oh, World Trade Center. Man, that's a lot of smoke. We got another one. We got another hijack. United 175 dropped his transponder off. We got a possible hijack. Weapons. Scramble those fighters in over Manhattan. Copy that. Well, we've reached our cruising altitude of 35,000 feet, and I'm going to turn the fast seatbelt sign off. You are safe to move about the cabin. Descending rapid. This aircraft is going down, I'm telling you right now. Here's one with juice for you. No, there he is. There he is right there. We're at the Hudson River. This is a hijack. He's going to hit this guy. Look at that. Oh, my gosh. Two aircraft hit the World Trade Center. Just left north, the weather was beautiful. We have a plane headed toward the Capitol. What the hell is wrong out there? May we engage, sir. I am on a plane that has been hijacked. Yes, sir. I got F-16 turning and burning towards Washington. Two planes just hit the World Trade Center. Nobody's going to help us. We have to do something right now. Colonel, I need rules of engagement. Do we shoot this flight down? We have to do it now, because we know what happens if we just sit here and do nothing. I think wow, Paul Greengrass is perfectly choice. paired for this film, yeah. because the way he shoots is a documentary style anyways. Um, digitally, and he... The, the, the interesting thing with this film is he actually takes people that were actually involved in 9-11 and puts them in key roles. The guy who's in charge of the FAA during 9-11 and all the confusion is the actual guy who's in charge of the FAA. And it's just... An, it's a fascinating study on that day where... Because um, Paul Greengrass takes the intimacy... The film opens with the terrorists in their hotel mm-hmm. preparing for whatever they're doing. <laughs> and then it kind of cuts to people getting ready to go on the airplane and 
people getting ready for work and then how quickly it unravels and the confusion that comes with it. It's just, it's just a fascinating story. And it's, I think it's a heartbreaking story because you know how it's going to end and you still know that it's not going to end well for 3000 people. Right. And the way it's told and the way it's shot, I think it's just, is, I think it's one of the most powerful films ever made. Wow. And it's, I think it's well done. That's cool. That's really awesome. Having never seen that movie, you putting this at the t- at the top of your list means that I will actually go see this I'll have movie. to let you borrow the Blu-ray. Yeah. Because it, it'll, it'll change your... It, it's an interesting perspective because they give you all the little tidbits. I mean, it, it it's called United 93, so they do put you on that plane. But it, I mean, it talks with, you know, the guy at the FAA, how many hi- planes do we have hijacked? At the time, they thought it was like 12. Right. And then they say, oh, well, we're scrambling jet fighters. Are we shooting them down? And it's... It's a really intense script. Yeah, it moves by really fast. It's it's, it's not terribly long, right? It's no, like, I think it's, it's like, like an hour and twenty five yeah. minutes, hundred minutes, something like that. Yeah, it's it's not long. It, it I want to say it's as long as actually nine eleven takes place. Right. Um, yeah, it's just heartbreaking, and it's told really well. Mm-hmm. It's not like uh, super ham fisted like Oliver Stone's World Trade Center, which came out the same year. Right. Which I think that's an actually incredible story. But told by a dum dum. Told by somebody who I don't think's a great filmmaker. Yeah. And I, I always I've always had issues with Oliver Stone and because yeah. like I think this is this is what the point I'm getting to. So like JFK is a popular film, but I think for all the wrong reasons. Right. You're trying to do a conspiracy theory and so your film just come becomes unraveled. Where I think something like United Three makes it real, makes it raw. And it doesn't shy away, and it puts you in these certain situations. Like, you feel for the guy who's in charge of the FAA. You know, he's in a meeting when he's told he has a plane that just crashed into the World Trade Center. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he's, you know, so he comes out, and he says, well, how'd that happen? It's a clear day. What's going on? And then they're slowly starting to trickle in news about what's happening. And it's just a really powerful film. Yeah. Uh, I think everybody should see it. I mean, it's hard to watch. I'm not saying it's sure. something oh, yeah. I put in all the time. But yeah. if I want to watch, you know... I don't know how to describe it, but if I want to watch a powerful film, that's the one I always go to. And yeah. Because the performances are really good, too. Uh, even, the, I mean, people that aren't actors. And so I, I think it even gives it more weight because they're able to relive that experience and tap into those emotions that happen to them. And you can watch the documentary about how they made it. And they have a great documentary about the interview of the families of uh, the heroes of uh, United 93. And it's it's a really kind of... A uh, touching little documentary they have on hmm. there. So fascinating. Yeah, that's cool. United ninety three. That's a good pick, man. I think this is one of the most diverse film solutions we've ever done. <laughs> genuinely, uh, because my number one is also not a repeat. Uh, my number one is the the movie that if you'd asked me in two thousand six what my favorite film of the year was, it this is still that movie. Um, there was a short period of time where I switched it. Uh, but as I started thinking about it, I was like, no, look, at the end of the day, I love movies that emotionally stick with me and tell me a story that, that teach me something or give me a slice of life that I then carry with me. Uh, and Little Miss Sunshine did that. Olive, dinner in 10 minutes. Dwayne, can you check on Frank? Tell him it's dinner time. Why, you don't talk anymore? You can talk. You just choose not to. Is that Nietzsche? You don't speak because of Friedrich Nietzsche. Far out. What's that, chicken? Every night is chicken. Holy God almighty. Is it possible just once Dad? we could get something to eat for dinner around here that's not the damn chicken? Hey, Dad. I'm just saying. Dad. How did it happen? 
How did what happen? Your accident. <clears throat> Uncle Frank didn't really have an accident. He tried to kill himself. Why? I wanted to kill myself because I was very He's unhappy. He's a sick man. He's a sick in his head. Man. Richard. I don't think it's an appropriate conversation for a seven-year-old. Well, she's going to find out anyway. Okay. Why were you unhappy? I fell in love with someone <laughs> who didn't love me back. Who? One of my grad students. I was very much in love with him. Him? You fell in love with the boy? Very much so. That's silly. There's another word for it. There is a message on the machine. Something about little Mrs. Sunshine. Little Miss Sunshine? Yeah. What? Remember when Olive was runner-up in the regional Little Miss Sunshine? That's the girl who won had to forfeit her crown. I don't know why something about diet pills, but anyway. Now she has a place in the state contest in Redondo. Where's Olive? Oh, no one gets left behind. No one gets left behind. Oh, thank you. Someone put this up. I know. Mine was so right. close. <laughs> I had so many movies just like. Punching through uh-huh. Rocky Balboa, Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah, uh, snakes on a um, plane. Replaced. Thank online. you for smoking. <laughs> right. Uh, um, so yeah, yeah. This uh, it was when I started thinking back to yeah. Uh, I could I could talk for a long time about all the reasons why I love this movie. I will tell you that the single thing that I had to be reminded of in order for me to go like, oh no, this is my number one is Alan Arkin. Um, his performance in this movie and specifically some of the scenes where he has these genuine conversations with this family um, because he is bizarrely, uh, you know, it, it, it is this critically broken family, but they're not like, they're broken in completely fixable ways, which is why it's kind of heartbreaking um, because it only really takes Alan Arkin's character to sort of fuse them back together and go like, no guys, fucking pay attention for a second and realize that you are all in this together. Um, there, there are so many amazing, funny moments, uh, genuinely like creative, fun parts of this movie where you're just like, Oh, how about a scene where, you know, Steve Carell goes in and buys nudie mags from a gas station bathroom, um, that are just fun at the time. Uh, but when you step back and look at that film as a whole and, and, and what they are actually trying to achieve in, uh, in telling a story about bringing this family back together, it, to me, it's it's everything that I I want good scripts to do, uh, which is to give me characters that I love, and then to tell me stories about how I'm supposed to repair relationships in my own life. Um, yeah, you know, even the scene where uh, she talks to Steve Carell about why he has bandages. And, oh gosh! You know, and it's it, to oh, explain yeah. it to a child. I mean, little things like that make it a right. A great film, yeah, and the 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 moments of real honesty where those characters like stop putting up these mm. facades and they they kind of break through. Steve Carell has a really good one near the end um, 
with with uh, with Paul Dano's character, who's also um, great, who's also really amazing, uh, and a, and has a plot that I can relate to, being that I am also colorblind. Uh, and I, I never wanted to be a jet fighter, but uh, when I learned that I was colorblind, I, I was crushed. That, um, that, that's no. my favorite scene in the movie when he finds out he's colorblind and he just lets out that fuck. Uh, it's, it's so well. I agree with you, but for me, the moment is when his sister comes out and like and meets him in the field and is like, "Hey, it's just that delivery. It's okay. Like, I need you to come back to the van." Yeah, it's um, just that delivery that really sells it. Oh yeah, he's he's amazing. But the the scene at the end between him and Steve Carell. Uh, where Steve Carell sort of opens up and finally tells you the story of everything that went terribly wrong mm. and why he ended up killing himself. And it, like, it pulls Paul Dano's character out of this funk of thinking that the whole world is complete shit and that his plan for his life is the only possible way he could ever be happy. Um, it's, just, it's just fantastic. And you also have a, a little girl you know, singing dirty songs and, and, and dancing in ways that like no one at a... A normal beauty pageant would have expected. What I think is clever uh, is you think she's going to do this great like song and dance number, and she's horrible, and it's super oh, yeah. like <laughs> inappropriate. Yeah, not really only great. does an inappropriate song start, but then she comes out and she's terrible. Oh gosh! But then of course you know you get the the whole family up there, and it and and it's them like actually learning how to have fun again. Um, yeah, it, it's such a great and and I think that. Um, uh, uh, shit, not Greg Grunberg. Um, Greg Kinnear, uh, and, and his portrayal of this dad who's like, hasn't figured it out and doesn't really know what he's doing and keeps fucking everything up and like hurting people in his family, but he's genuinely trying to figure out how to be a better person and like, you know, like he, he thinks if he can make enough money, he can fix these things. And meanwhile, like his whole, his, his marriage is just dying right beside him. Um, I, I think that all of the performances in this movie are, are fantastic, but it was, it was Alan Arkin when I thought back to basically every scene Alan Arkin is in and how, how much fun he is and how heartfelt he is. Um, and how terrible it is when, when she comes out and says like, grandpa won't wake up and you're just like, fuck like that, that movie just killed me at the time and will do so for the rest of my life. Um, and that is why it is my number one film of 2006. Nice. So, yeah. Cool. Those are good lists. Yeah. Man, good job, everybody. A lot of, a lot of you good guys movies. covered all my stragglers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guys got a lot of mine, too. Thanks. Yeah. Except um, for Perfume, the Story of a Murderer, which I didn't oh, see in 2006. So. I, I don't even know what that is. It's, uh, it's really good, and you should watch it. It's uh, Ben Wishaw. I think it's Ben Wishaw. Q from the James Bond movies. Yeah. He plays this, uh, it's set in like olden, uh, I don't know, what, 15th, 16th century? 16th century. Something like that. Yeah. Um, he's this guy who kills women and like takes their scent and turns it into soap. Oh. Um, it's, it's, it's disturbing, but also like kind of like a interesting love story with like a guy who can't relate to he loves soap. Yes, <laughs> it's like a Fight Club sequel, really. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Roger Moore shows up as his as his <laughs> e- as his evil like brain twin and t- tells him to do terrible things with soap. Yeah. Yeah. And he he go like he keeps going from like uh, like situation to situation and inadvertently like ruining 
these other people's lives. Like Dustin Hoffman's in it. He's the guy who teaches him how to like harness sense and stuff. He also, I think he's born with extra, like he's able to smell like a, like a better than like a heightened sense. Of smell. Yeah, heightened sense. Sure. Of smell. Yeah. And so, okay. uh, isn't Alan Rickman in this movie? I can't remember. Uh, I think so. I think so too. <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah, he is. So it's worth checking out. Yeah, definitely. It's I haven't seen it in a while, so I'm having a hard time describing it. But it's yeah. just it's very. Like it wasn't what I expected, and it goes into like weird, bizarre places. I think my big misses, oh, Prairie Home Companion, was one of mine. Um, I also really wanted to get, uh, I really wanted to get wordplay on my list, even though I knew it would never would. Which is a documentary about crossword puzzles um, that I think is 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 really fascinating. Um, uh, uh, no, none of us did Stranger Than Fiction, which is interesting because that movie was was very popular at the time, and I think is really good, just not top of the list for me right that's no uh, ricky bobby <laughs> right <laughs> right uh, uh man of the year anybody a fan of that film no i never saw it because it i didn't think it looked good it's one of levinson's interesting films um oh. and it's uh it's got robin williams lewis black and uh it's it's a solid picture yeah. um i thought it was a gold tweet no it's not a bobcat gold no, like, that's i think it was dad of the that's greatest dad ever yeah okay yeah um and then uh, Smoke and Aces was almost on my list mm-hmm. because that movie is stupid, but I think it is pretty awesome. Like, it's fun to watch. Uh, and then there's also a little movie from that year called Bella um, that was a very limited release uh, that is particularly good, but just wasn't going to make my, my list. So, A couple of uh, the movies made me uh, tweet at us, and they said Cars... As a motorsports fan, it's a still a favorite. I fangirl when I see Lightning McQueen at Disney Parks. Yeah. I think Cars is much maligned, but I don't think it's as bad as people say it is. It is, it is a good movie. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just Pixar. And right. It's stuff. like, yeah, but, but it doesn't make me cry, which makes it not as good as other Pixar movies. <laughs> Our good buddy Henry, who is now out in New York pursuing his yeah. dream as a filmmaker, sent in number five as Blood Diamond. Oh, I've never seen that. It's right. I should check it out. Uh, number four is Smoke and Aces. Thank you, Henry. Number three is Children of Men. Number two is The Devil Wears Prada. Again. And number one is The Departed. There you go. Quite the array of films for him as well. Yeah. And that then movie's Brad, made me. One, right? That movie's made me that tweeted us as a podcast that met me out in uh, Palm Springs Comic Con. Very oh, cool. cool. Yeah. Awesome. A way to promote, Zach. Yep. Uh, Mike Henderson wrote in. Uh, I don't know if this is in order, but his, he just said his favorites from that year are Stranger Than Fiction, uh, Mission Impossible 3, The Departed, Children of Men, Casino Royale, Jesus Camp, uh, Pan's Labyrinth, The Black Dahlia, V for Vendetta. This film is not rated. That's that's an interesting documentary. documentary for yeah. Sure. yeah, it is. And a horror that Ryan didn't actually have, Deliver Us From Evil. Which one is that? I think it's a horror movie. No, 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 that's the one that came out like in 2013. Yeah, isn't isn't Deliver Us from Evil the the Scott Derrickson movie? There is one. That's right. What's this one? What's this one, hold Mike? The, Tell hold, us hold right the, now. Hold the phone. Maybe he's just maybe he's asking that. Please, please, Real Nerds Podcast, Deliver Us from Evil. <laughs> uh, I'm too lazy to that email. Was a, that was a statement. Evil. Yeah, uh, it's from 2006. It's a documentary about Father Oliver O'Grady, a Catholic uh, church 
Yeah, that's the like the oh, spotlight. She ended kinda. up the woman who directed it ended up directing uh, the West of Memphis movie. Yeah, so oh. it's basically spotlight is that guy. They talk about that guy in the spotlight. I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, because I, I remember his name and he, you know, he covered up rape of dozens of children. What a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. And it is. It's uh, re- very highly rated on uh, IMDb. Cool. Uh, next week, we're seeing the latest from... Clint Eastwood. Uh, I can't remember who we're seeing. Anyways, we'll think of something. No, I'm just kidding. <gasps> Clint Eastwood Sully is our film of the week next week. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, so that'll be yeah. fun. Is there so something... Not, oh. No, it's just Sully. Where not Kickboxer. Oh, wait. We're doing, oh, yeah. We're oh, doing that's right. Kickboxer. Yeah. Are you guys going to see it? Yeah, I'll see it. I will try to see it. I mean, I can, okay. I can order it on... VOD. Oh, is it? Oh, oh, okay. That makes it easy because I'm going to be in Kansas City this week, so seeing two movies this week was going to be hard. But if I can watch it while I'm out there, is it already out on VOD? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Because yeah, sorry, Brad. Thanks for reminding me. We're doing Kickboxer, Kickboxer Vengeance. I'm also going to go see and Sully. Sully. And we'll see Sully. <laughs> and, Sully. and Yoga Hosers. So it'll be a yeah. Three. I'm for not going to see Yoga Hosers. <laughs> well, two of us saw it. So Great. You don't have to. So it'll be quite cool. the uh, quite the event. Awesome. Thanks for Get listening, ready, guys. I'm coming in for a landing. Clint? Yeah. Is that you? Yeah. Is he behind me? He, he's, he, he, he's always with us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the most depressing image of Jesus I've ever heard of. Oh, Clint Eastwood is always with you. As always, thank you for listening. Sing. Thanks for sending in our, your list. We appreciate it. From all of us at Real Nerds, have a nice day. Have a nice decade. <laughs> I, I was just going I was going big that time <laughs> sure have a nice oh. decade <laughs> bye 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 Real Nerds is a Nebulous Visions multimedia production we would also like to thank Sparks Mandrell for our music additional music from Ben Sounds Thank you to Alamo Drafthouse. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. And thank you for listening to the Real Nerds Podcast.